touch anything. <laughs> it's the greatest find yet. Nothing compares to it. But it's definitely something you should hear. This is The Real Deal with Larry Lawton. Welcome to The Real Deal with me, Larry Lawton, and a special guest all the way from New Jersey by way of Boca Raton, Florida. And that's a kind of a joke you're going to get all day today. I have in studio, in studio right here, everybody, I have Mike Marino. And Mike Marino is a national comedian, been on the Tonight Show 200 times, uh, been all over the world, played the best uh, uh, venues in the world. Before I get started with Mike and I read who Mike is, let me just give some updates, everybody. First of all, I am going to be in Daytona Raceway this week in the infield with 12. We have 28 people. We have 12 RVs. So if you see me in the infield, come say hello. Probably get a book, bracelet, something. Uh, we'll be uh, inebriated a little bit, but we're going to have a lot of fun. <laughs> then uh, March 4th, everybody, I'm going to be at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. I am a, invited as a guest from a Scoffy Shinado with Oliva Cigars. I'll be signing boxes of cigars and signing books. It is a very expensive event. It's $750 a ticket. So don't, you know, I mean, it's not, it's just something, if you're in the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino, pop in there. You can probably see me. We'll be, we'll be out in a special uh, private VIP area. It's called the Big Smoke Meets Whiskey Fest, and it's at the Seminole Hard Rocking Hotel in, uh, Hollywood, Florida. Then on March 22nd to 25th, I'll be in New Jersey, uh, not New Jersey, Connecticut with my brother. We are filming a show called My True Life Crime for VH1. So if you see us up there in Connecticut, we're going to be up there from the 22nd to the 25th. And then listen to this. This is a big one, everybody. We are now partnered and sponsored, cross-sponsored with a Ferrari in the races and our emblem, the Crooked Diamond, is on a Ferrari. And Mike is laughing, but it's on a Ferrari, and it's on the side of a Ferrari uh, transport vehicle, and it's called the Celebration Exotic Car Festival, and it's races at Daytona Raceway, and we're going to be there. Uh, this event is from March 31st to April 4th. I'll be in Orlando and Daytona a couple of nights signing books, and we got people from Oliva Cigars coming is with us, too. We're going to be giving out away some stuff. And that is the Celebration of Exotic Car. You can check it out, CelebrationExoticCars.com. It is a mega event. Another thing, we just started launching the cigar, and I want to just thank Area 142, Minuteway Causeway. They are selling our cigars. We got four new shops that are now selling our cigars. Besides online, it's just go to CrookedCigar.com, CrookedCigar.com. And if you mention my show and you put loyalty, you're going to get 15% off. And think about a $200 box of cigars. That's a, that's a good little lick. Uh, 30 bucks. Yeah, 30 bucks. So, I mean, you got to like that. And uh, the cigars are doing so well. I wanted to do that right, get that busy work out of the way. Now, one <laughs> little bit more busy work. I got a great letter, guys. And it was a letter I, I received from somebody. And he actually sent me, believe it or not, Mike, Mike is in studio. You're going to hear about Mike Marino in a minute, but he's a good friend too. That's why this is going to have a lot of fun today. Uh, this is a guy who writes me a letter. He goes, I wanted to write a quick letter to let you know that I appreciate what you do 
on your channel and in life. Your positivity motivates me and I am sure many others feel the same. It's great to see a positive influence that has such an interesting story of redemption. Glad to see you're doing well and I hope your mother and other loved ones are doing well uh, this holiday season. I included a few desk tinkets you may like. I also know of a 210 carat diamond in Amsterdam. If you're ever in Colorado, I'd be more than happy to show you around or maybe smoke a huge blunt with you. I hear they decriminalize mushrooms in Denver, too. Ha ha. Anyways, thanks for helping me keep my positive mental attitude in such crazy COVID times. And, you know, I get a lot of that. And uh, I I just want to appreciate everybody who, who writes. We get tons of emails and people are... That's right. And that guy actually sent me an actual ruby, uh, a chip, ruby chip that's worth money. And it was nice. I, I'll show it to you guys online. I will maybe show that one. Also, now, straight from you don't know where, as he's going to say, we got something going. You don't know where, but we are straight from Central Florida. We don't know where. And I have Mike Marino. Let me give you a little bit of background on Mike Marino. Mike Marino, affectionately known to millions of his fans worldwide as the New Jersey's bad boy, is one of the most loved comedians of our time. He has performed in every major comedy club, theater, casino, and event center from New York to Los Angeles and around the world. Mike has also shared stage with some of the biggest names in the business, which we will touch on. Mike Marino was born in Jersey City, New Jersey. He entered the entertainment industry at an early age and has studied at some of the most prestigious acting schools in New York. I really want to say the streets, but I'm going to give him his due. The Her- uh, the Herbert Bergford Studio and the American Academy of D- Dramatic Arts. Mike has appeared in over 200 national TV commercials, including many endorsements, and has received a Best Actor Clio Award nomination. He has acted in many primetime soaps and television shows, including As the World Turns, One Life to Live, Becker, Nikki, Frazier, and Party of Five, his film credits include Crooks, <laughs> Crooks. <laughs> Pizza with Bullets, again, Hanging in Hito, and Stephen King's Lucky Quarters and Criticized. I got to keep going. Adding to his guest great success in film, theater, commercials, and soaps, Mike Marino began touring the world, performing and selling out at countless clubs, theaters, and casinos. His stand-up material ranges from cutting-edge observation of everyday life to his Italian family roots which recently spun into a TV pilot called Reconstructing Jersey. How's that come? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. Okay. I'll give you a role in that. Oh, Jesus. His come- <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, construction And, you, and your mom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> get your mom. She, yeah. I can't get her to come here. And, and that's like three feet away. His comedic style has landed him guest appearances on The Tonight Show as a regular sketch player. The Martin Short Show, Canada's comedy TV the Boomer Show, Wild Pitch, and Handheld Comedy Radio. A clip of Mike's appearances on Brian Allen's comic Unleashed earned him over 7 million views and counting. And that's a long time ago, which has had his uh, and his current web series, Marino 2016. But we have him in studio, and you know what the shirt says? Marino 2024. He's running. He's <laughs> running for president. An original comedy based on Mike's road to the White House and his wise guy attempt to become the first Italian-American president of the United States. In the fall of 2008, Mike Marino was inducted into New Jersey uh, Comedy Hall of Fame. And in 2050, he won the USO Bob Hope class. We'll talk a little bit about that, Mike. Bob Hope Comedy Award for his many performances from military 
Mike has, uh, has also been featured on numerous talk shows and has hosted some of the most prestigious awards, uh, including the Beverly Hills Film Awards. Oh, fucking Boken Festival. What the fuck is that? Hoboken Film Festival. Okay. I never heard of it. <laughs> nah, good for them. Montreal Quintus Film Festival and countless corporate events. Mike has been featured in Just, uh, Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Montreal, Canada, seven years in a row. Mike Rudder has a tongue like a razor and a heart of gold. He has an incredible ability to perform in the arena, big or small, and in studio, and can cater his material to all audiences. From strictly clean to down and dirty, he has performed in hundreds of corporate funks. And if you want Mike, he's been in places, uh, AT&T and, and uh, uh, what is this? The City city of Hope, LAPD, uh, Merrill Lynch, they, IBM, they all have had Mike and hired Mike. So if you want Mike, you can get him right here with us, uh, from us to anything you want, and Mike will be available. With that ado... Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you very much, man. That's got to be the longest introduction I've ever heard in my entire life. You're reading my resume, man. I'm saying to myself, that's not so bad, but I think I need to update that a little bit. Yeah, yeah I'm sure you do. You know, you know, Mike, I did I did a deep dive into you, you know, was before good, the man. show. And uh, like I said, I did a deep dive. That's I don't play deep, around. You know what I mean? I do it right. If you're going to do it, fucking do it right. Because you like my little me. I do. I've been noticing that, man. You actually have your own action adventure hero statue. No, I stole it. That's really the rock, and I had a painted shirt put on him. And Is that right? It. I swear. To God. <laughs> it definitely looks like you. You got the show red T-shirt. Show it there. Show it there. Just got to get some tattoos on the arms, yeah. and you'd be set. It's almost close. We started, you know. <laughs> and I thought this was definitely created for you. Well, we, you know, I actually had uh, people have offered me up to seven hundred fifty dollars for that. Look at that. <laughs> You know that Mike Seven put a yeah. little cigar in his hand. Oh, we have that and too. And then you got Larry Lawn. You know, before uh, while I'm here, Mike Marina, I want to also thank you're smoking something, Mike. What are you smoking? Yes. What are you smoking? This is the Crooked Diamond cigar. And this cigar, everybody, I'm here now smoking, and uh, my brother's here in studio. We're Dave, all smoking it. Dave, we got Dave. You know, everybody knows. Hey, Dave, everybody, how you doing? So, how you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. Thank Straight. you for having me over. Yep. So we have uh, Dave in studio as well, and we got to have Mike, and we are smoking all Crooked Diamond cigars, and we'd like to thank and our sponsor, which is Oliva Cigars. They are the greatest team I've ever been with, Oliva, and from Corey, the CEO, and I deal with the senior leadership team, which is Corey and Bernie and Fidel and uh, Albert. That's the four. We, we're in a lounge. That's how it works. A cigar lounge. This is what we work. And we smoke and figure things out. And I, these really people have got great. They're, listen, they're the third largest cigar company in the world. Not fucking America world. This is fantastic. And I was telling you before, when your box came to me, oh, yeah. when I was in California and I had some people come on my podcast, I started giving everybody cigars. And one one friends, what's with this crooked diamond? I go, let me explain it to you. This is where Crooked Diamond comes from. <laughs> Nobody believed me either. No, nah, come on. You're making this up. I'm like, I had Google Larry Lawton. <laughs> did you did you actually <laughs> tell them that? I mean, did they think it's another sketch or something you're doing? Yes, they did. A I, lot of times people won't take me seriously. Well, I get that. Because I'm a comedian. Yeah. Right? And then I says, okay, this is Crooked Diamond. Says, Why is it Crooked Diamond? Well, because the guy was a jewel thief. And he took a bunch of diamonds. Don't you get it? Crooked Diamond. Crooked Diamond. You love the name, don't but you? But most people are like, you sure you didn't just make a mistake on the box and he didn't make the diamond straight? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a, that, no. that logo was actually, of course, uh, trademarked and everything else. We, you know, we have feel. That. And uh, the Crooked Diamond Cigar is doing very well. We just launched it. it, it it's really a great cigar. 
And uh, I, I'm not just saying that it's a premium cigar, but we got them a premium. We're giving these a premium price. And when you got a $10 cigar and it goes into it, what people don't understand, and I've learned this. I, first of all, I picked this blend. I literally picked You this blended blend. the blend. I blended. Yes. Yeah, I blended. I mean, literally, you take the uh, uh, cigar and, you, and they had me in a room, you know, that big lounge. Tasting. You, say, you know, you go six tastings there, and, and I picked the blend that I like. And then they have actual feels in Nicaragua with my blend in it now. Because that's how cigars, they're so intense. When you get good cigars, I'm not talking garbage. I'm not talking cigarette shit. I'm talking premium cigars. You, you got to remember, when this diamond box is sold in California, in a shop, it's got to be the same taste as it is when you're in New York. Right. So it has to be, or the second batch or the third batch or the fourth batch, you have to have the consistency. And you can only do that with mega companies, number one. That, that's you have to have the mega companies behind you. And I have a lever cigar, so they can make a million cigars, I think, in a, uh, 250,000 in a day. So, I mean, I'm saying they have the facility. They have 6,100 employees at Oliva Cigars, and they picked, you know, I partnered with them. And I didn't partner. I still own it. I can literally take this anywhere I want now that I own it. But they're my dist- uh, 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 manufacturer. They, they're the ones who will right. grow it and take care of it and stuff. Now, another company would have to come in and get that kind of exact grow style and whatever. Listen, it's intense. Premium cigars. And you get a premium cigar. People compare this to the uh, uh, Padron, and that's about an $18, $20 cigar. And this is a $10.50 to up to 12 And And it's a big difference. I mean, and when, when you use cigars. I've been smoking cigars for 40 years, Mike. That's why this was a so perfect you know fit. The cigar business. And, and well, I don't know the business. I know how to smoke. I know what I like. And you know, I didn't know the business. So what I was getting at it, it it's what I've learned is it's a big time intense business. And it's a good fit because I I tell anybody I won't support anything or I won't uh, uh sponsor anything. I, I don't push a zillion commercials. I don't do that crap. And I and I do that because when I do, I like what I do. I like the product or I like, the, you know, this. But you're I, real. Yeah, the real deal, man. I'm, no, not I, I'm like that, too, because I have a couple of products that I promote on my show. But you're a I, believer I, in I them. I believe the product. I yeah. like the product. I had somebody come at me and say what I promote their product on my show was skin care. But it was for women. And I said, to, uh, you know, I can't because I don't use it. I don't know much about it. And if I promote it and it doesn't sell, I'm going to lose all my sponsors because they're going to think I can't sell the stuff I can sell. Right. Absolutely. So you got to, I believe in what I uh, promote. A hundred percent. Now, you know, Mike, we got you here and we have all the time I want. That's the best part of a podcast. And uh, I want to dive deep into you a little bit, if we could. Uh, You're from Jersey. I mean, people could look you up everywhere. First of all, your comedy is really hilarious. And again, deep diving yesterday. Thank you. Two hours. Not only that, you're a bit too... Oh, I've been to countless of shows of his, and he comes to uh, Boca Raton and down South Florida a lot. You've been to a lot of my shows from way back when, when we met through Art Grenchy, the ex-police officer from uh, uh, Los Angeles. Yes, yes. And I think that's how I met you, because I was doing a fundraiser for 9-11. That that was a long time. It had to be 10 years ago, more than that, maybe. No, probably 10 years ago. Yeah. He had done many different uh, charities for... uh, um, Art Grenchy and it was LAPD and uh, he kept on uh, doing fundraisers for police officers who uh, perished in 9-11 and he donated the money to the families. And I think one of the first or second ones, it was me and Vinnie Pastore. Yes, it was that's exactly how I right. came yeah. down to your show. You're right. You're right. You were down here in Central Florida, in Melbourne, Florida area. They were doing something with the museum 
and they, and they had a piece of the uh, 9-11 yes. building. And you came and... Big, uh, big metal. Yeah, big, big hunk, of, a hunk of 9-11. Steel or something, yeah. Yeah, a hunk yeah. of the building. David, my brother, my dad, just to let everybody know, my dad built the World Trade Center. He was the head guy in the tin knocking, which is the construction work up on the roof. Not roof, <coughs> throughout the whole building. The original. The original. In 1968 to 72, it was built. And my brother and I were on the 103rd floor. We got pictures of us in hard hats. They put ropes to us, I remember, Dave. You remember when we were kids? And it goes got to be petrifying. End. Wow. Was it was it a kid. Uh, we were little kids, you know? Yeah. We're, oh, no, we were, it was like open, you know? Open. The building thing. sways. You know, people don't get that when you go up there. Buildings sway. You don't, you can feel it up there. The building moves. Fucking weird as shit. But it's, it's amazing, man. Couldn't even imagine being an iron worker when that oh, thing was a skeleton. Oh, <laughs> David did. My brother worked in uh, construction, re- retired. And he'll tell you stories about those. Uh, mostly it's Indians, right, bro? Yeah. And they'll walk on those things with not, not, not even a harness, Mike. And drinking. They'll be drinking. Drinking brandy and a cold day. Fucking. They got no fear heights. American I, Indians. They, they have no fear. You know, Native Americans. They're walking they, It's called Native, Native Americans. Native Americans walking <laughs> beams uh, 80, 100 stories up in the air drinking brandy. Cold We've all day. seen that one poster with all the guys sitting on that beam eating oh, lunch. Yeah. How petrifying would that have been? To them, it's like every day. They, they must have something right. that blocks out the... Because uh, you got to realize, you know, when you think... How, you walk down the road, you don't go crazy and go fall off a, off a sidewalk. They look at that as a sidewalk. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you're not going to fall off a sidewalk. So it's like that. that's what their sidewalk is. Some, You know, I have a, a nephew that... Uh, my son's a cousin, which is like a nephew, and he's a steel worker, an iron worker. And they, 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 I don't know how they do it either, but... Let's get back into you, Mike. Okay, you start comedy at at very early. At what age was it? Actually, it's a little bit of the reverse. All I ever wanted to be was an actor when I was born. I came out singing and dancing. And uh, I used to do impersonations of TV commercials back in the day when they had all the cool jingles like uh, Ajax and... <laughs> you know, uh, root beer and stuff like that. I would Budweiser, Budweiser, jingle, yeah. yeah. And I would sing it, and I would try to perform it. And then all through school, I was in the the theater and in the plays. I really didn't get into stand up comedy till I was actually twenty nine years old, twenty nine, twenty nine. Because I was in a bar in New Jersey, and I was making fun of my family. I was talking about my mother and my father and the way they acted. And a friend of mine, this guy Joey Gion, who was on Knott's Landing, he was a big star. He came to visit. And uh, he kept saying to me, he goes, you know, the way you talk, the way you guys act, blonde hair, blue eyes, your parents are from Italy, something's not right. You should put it into a stand-up routine. It's, it's funny. And I, at the time, was almost insulted because I'm like, you know what? I went to theatrical acting schools. I want to I win TV awards. I want to be, be De Niro. And they said, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing stand-up comedy if you could pull it off. It's a whole other art form. It's very, very different. Some great stand-up comics make great actors, and sometimes the reverse. So just for shits and giggles, I went to some comedy club in New Jersey. They were having an open mic. And I says, watch me go ahead. I'm going to snag that 50 bucks. Watch me. I'm going to play the role of a stand-up comedy. So I was with a bunch of my friends. I grabbed the microphone, and at that time, I was actually on As the World Turns, and I was working on a bunch of different acting uh, projects. So I went on stage, and I said, uh... I'm Italian. I can prove it. I still live with my mom. And I started talking about my mom, and she ain't going to cook no more. And then I started to imitate my uncle. 
which I do in my routines now. My Uncle Tom is like Archie Bunker. And he would say the craziest stuff. So once I just started repeating what these people did in my life, I won the 50 bucks and I said, that's it. I'm never going to do this again. Then I moved out to California. And when I was out in California, a bunch of people said to me, hey, we're friends with Mitzi Shaw, the lady who owns the comedy store. Do you want an audition for the lady? And I said, no, I'm really not interested. Well, the biggest and the baddest and the greatest comedians come out of the comedy store. It would be an honor if you could actually get in the school, you could get into the club. So I went down there and I impersonated uh, some actors. I impersonated, uh, you know, every Italian actor you could think of from De Niro to Pesci and uh, Sylvester Stallone. And they said to me, no, that's not going to work. That's not you. It's not funny. So I says, okay, screw it. It's not what I want to do anyway. And the lady said, well, why don't you come back in a couple of months and tell us who you are. Tell us about you. So I went back a couple months later. I got up on the stage, and I started doing the impersonations again because that's all I knew how to do. And she says to me, she goes, but that's not who you are. Why are you doing that? And I went like this. You know what, lady? I don't need this fucking bullshit. I don't even want to be here. I can't stand California. I'm always in traffic. I can't find a good fucking slice of pizza. And everybody's making me play an Irish cop in all these mob movies because I look like I'm Irish. And Mike, you're telling her this on the stage? Yes. And then she said to me, okay, that's who you are. You play here from now on. Just like that. And I got in the club. And now, did they pay much? Nothing, right? I mean. No, when you're cutting your teeth at the comedy store back in the day, this is in the 90s, early 2000s, you're getting $15 a set. If you play the main room, you might. You said $15? 15 bucks, yeah. Now, you get any piece of anything else, you get money. Well, the, the whole thing is you might walk off stage onto a TV series and they can't get any of your money if you do. Gotcha, okay. So that's why they were paying you the way they were paying you. Wow, so you, you do maybe two sets, three sets, make 50 bucks? You could do four sets in a week. That's, that's what you would get. So you figure $60 for the week, and if you played in the main room on the weekend, you might get 100 bucks. Wow, and you stuck with it. Now, obviously, you were working or doing something on the side, no? Well, I was working as an actor. Yeah, then eventually I started doing some things on the side yeah. to make ends meet. That's well, well listen, saying. you know, I went that way because <laughs> you got to make money. Right? You I do. mean, no, and I don't mean that to be. A lot of actors and a lot of people I know uh, who've made it big, whether it was Pitbull, you know, it was a drug deal on the streets, and, and you know, they made it. And, and a lot of the big stars have did a lot of things. Look at me. Well, I robbed, really robbed. <laughs> but the, uh, the, a lot of them did stuff. So you had to do stuff like that, right? Whether I'm not going to get into your criminal. Well, it's all done. I mean, it's all statue of limitations. It was a hustle. It was yeah. a hustle. We call it the hustle. There was a time when I was uh, making great money doing TV commercials. So I never had to have a part-time job. And in my late 20s, early 30s, I wasn't making that kind of money anymore. And I was in Los Angeles and I needed a part-time job. Somebody said to me, they have a thing in uh, Hollywood called improv comedy traffic school where a traffic school instructor uh we got the job to teach a class to keep people from coming back and they had the comedians do it so supposedly we would make it funny for the eight hour program right so now you're teaching this comedy traffic school thing so you got all these people who come into traffic school who violated the law what was their violation maybe they were speeding maybe they got a uh a fender bender they didn't have their insurance and stuff like this so while I was teaching the class, you're making 100 bucks for eight hours. You do three classes a week. That's some extra money, but you get to rehearse your stand-up routine. Right? Keep going. One thing leads to another, and they tell you, while you're teaching this class, 
if anybody in this room bribes you and says, I'll give you a hundred bucks or 200 bucks for one of those certificates, make it look like I was sitting here. You're creating a felony for yourself and you can get arrested. You can get thrown in jail, the teacher. Well, you're stealing. You're stealing from them. Well, you're giving away the certificate and, uh, how many did you give away? They never, they, they never, I never give them away. <laughs> how many did you sell? A lot. Well, listen, did you move up in like a new apartment? <laughs> All Bought of, a house. All of a, all of a sudden, <laughs> I see the value in doing this. <laughs> New Jersey. So one day, Joey Buttafuoco comes into traffic school. Yeah, Joey Buttafuoco. Come on. You know, obviously, that's bullshit. Everybody knows who Joey Buttafuoco is. Joey okay? Buttafuoco comes into traffic school because <laughs> he's got a speeding ticket. Now, he, we know he's in the auto body business. He's got a chop shop in Chatsworth, California. He sees the name Mike Marino. He's thinking, this kid's Italian. He's from New Jersey. I'm going to give him 100 bucks, and I'm going to walk right out of here. And so that became my little little racket. Now, was that – now, you got to tell all my audience. Is that a skit? No, no, this really happened. Okay. So when Joey comes in – You know, Mike, you you fuck with me sometimes. I mean, I know Mike for a long time, and Mike is uh, – a good friend of mine, we hang out, we'll go out afterwards, have drinks and stuff, and you just never know, you know. Uh, come on in, hon. It's the new male. New male person, you're in on the show. You know our show. Hello. Uh, Hello. Where's Garfield? <laughs> yeah. I got instructions. Oh, you had instructions? Thank you. Yo, Garfield, you have a good one. You want water, hon? Uh, you got it. Thank you. Thank you. That's good. See, now, you Mike, figure. is that great? This is the real deal, and you get somebody who's at the post office, and they got a note, <laughs> knock on the door. I mean, think of the skits, and you're, 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 your brain must be going crazy. You're up in the middle of nowhere, they get the mailman knocking on the well, door. Well, coming down the block, when I was pulling up to come here, I'm like, I must have the wrong address. Is that, <laughs> this couldn't possibly be a studio in this, this neighborhood. You, know, this you is get the, the one house on the corner over there, I'm like, is anybody even in that house anymore? <laughs> A couple of dogs running around on the loose. I think I saw a horse going down. I'm like, I got to have the wrong street. It's like Compton, California. And then you walk in here and you go, holy oh, shit. What the fuck? Look at that. It's a real fucking studio. <laughs> it's the best. It's the best. Can you even park on the grass around here? Yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you something. You know that recording studios in Los Angeles on the outside are painted a solid color with no windows for a reason. They don't want anybody to reveal that there might be celebrities inside there recording. So for all intents and purposes, it does look like a real recording studio on the outside. You, you know, it's real funny about that uh, because when we did this, obviously I've been to California too, and I go to some of these houses. They make houses out there. I won't say the porn business, uh, uh, other business. A lot of YouTubers, they'll rent houses, and they make them work. And when I say workhouses, I mean marketing rooms, this room, a pitch room studios. Each room is a studio, and it and it's rented at fifteen, ten, ten to fifteen to thousand dollars. You don't worry about that, Mike. Exactly. Ten, fifteen thousand dollars a a month, and it's just part of the business. You know, what I mean, it's a rental place. You can do that there because you're not going in and out with people. You know, it's not like you have a retail business. You know, I have a friend in Los Angeles. She rents out her house because it has this incredible yard, a pool, and it looks like a real wise guy's house because it was at one time. She gets ten thousand dollars a day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you're there for an hour, you're giving her ten thousand dollars. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it's a studio. It's and it's big studios. They don't care about it at all. But us little guys, I call us, 
the little, you know, the YouTubers and stuff like that. <laughs> the little guys. Uh, the little guys. The bigger guys now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we learned we learned their game. And uh but what happened is uh uh we've learned that that's how to do it. You know, I mean it makes it easier. I mean they have security and everything at the door. I was at Kirill's house and Kirill is a great guy. He's a big social influence. He just did a big video where he does he was he's a famous photographer that people don't know his story. His name is K I R I L L. Kirill. And it, you just look up Kirill was here. He owns the brand Assholes Live Forever. When I tell you a brand, he started with four shelves of product. And I'll show you the video. He's got a, a warehouse size of a Walmart in it's, Las Vegas. In Las Vegas now. Un- and he built another one in Mexico. Un- does six million a year in merch and so he's great. You know, it's big operations now, but it's all from from uh influencing. And he guys got kicked off Instagram so many times and he does nothing broads and shit. Talking about gigs, he gets a gig, gets paid just to go to nightclubs and, and party. You know, big money. And and, not, and I don't mean work. I mean uh, I was with him. I, I was in Boca with him. We we did an event. He goes, You're coming out. We took the, the bus over there. We I'll show you a great video of that and pictures in the bus. We're fucking broads all over the place. We have 30 people in that fucking thing. It was a party bus, obviously. And uh, but it's good people. That's all I'm gonna say. Number two, but that's how they do it. So Mike, getting back. So now you, as a young guy, you're making money. You figure out how to hustle. How do you first get on a show like the Tonight Show? But before that, you know, I, I'm gonna go back one second. You got into comedy, okay? You wanted to always be an actor. Was there a reason? Like, I mean, what? Who in your family, or what in your family would? drive you towards being a actor like most people you know your dad's or whatever what did your dad do construction okay construction no no don't joke around now fuck i'm trying to get a serious answers in this one i'm giving you all serious answers nobody in my family was in showbiz at all nobody so nobody, what got nobody you the even knew anybody i have some other extended family members who are but not on that capacity not like what i was trying to do um but what got so, you into it? Like, what, what do you know? I mean, just, is, I don't, I don't really don't know. It, I think some entertainers are just born with it in their blood that you have to do this. Cause there was a time like when I was teaching the traffic school classes that I would say to myself, God, uh, I would say to God could take the want for me to perform out of me so I can go back to New Jersey and have a normal life. This is ridiculous because this business is, is brutal. It's very brutal. We're going to get into that. That's why I wanted to get it because this business, anybody knows it. Even now I'm in it. If you want to call, I guess, entertainers. You're in showbiz, buddy. (laughs) I know. I I get fucked by people. So I know. (laughs) But the uh, no, I mean, it's a cutthroat business. The reason I do actually like YouTube, uh, Mike, and and even the podcast, we do a lot of cross promotions and we realize like me, Larry and other YouTubers and stuff that the platform or the audience is so large. There's 7 billion people in this world and 3, mil, 3 billion are on YouTube, I think, some crazy fucking number, that, you know, you're not worried about competing against that next actor. You're or trying to guy. help each other's out. Yeah, that, you know, that's a big, big deal. And I like that about this platform because you find the other platforms, you'll see people, you know, uh, uh, like, like, like to protect their fucking, like they're in, their guy that's going to get them on a show to get a show. Yeah, well, who do you need? I help people out. I help the YouTuber. Uh, she's really a good friend of mine now, Jessica Kent. She's got a great channel. If you haven't checked it out, everybody, go to YouTube, Jessica Kent. She's a female prisoner. My done. When I met her, I was blown by 
she's been on, but I was blowing up. So uh, she had about 250,000. She's going to hit a million subscribers in maybe a year, maybe a year and a half after I met her. And she's going to hit a million subscribers. And this girl has got it going on. And she used to copy what I did. And she, you know, somebody, you know, she just, I said, good. That's the greatest compliment. Or not only that, I, you know, we contacted her and said, she goes, Larry, you know, I said, Jess, you are great. Keep doing it. You want help? I'll help you. I mean, whatever you need, you want somebody. You had her on your show. Some of your subscribers subscribe to her. And then she has me on hers. And we still do it to this day. I mean, and that's the way, you know, I feel our industry, the YouTube or the Internet. I call it the Internet industry. It should be because you can share each other's joy and you can share each other's success. You can actually help each other. Before YouTube, before the Internet, when there were comedians just struggling to get ahead, uh, of course, nobody was going to help you because you were going after what they wanted to go after. And there was only a certain amount of room to get that. I mean, I could tell you the horror stories that started from when I was a teenager all the way up till just today. The craziness from people keeping you away from success. Yeah, they're trying to put. And, you know, it's amazing how sometimes you think, oh, uh, now I got an agent or now I got a manager. Oh, fucking racket those fucking cocksuckers off. Uh, I had because you 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 will end up backing up and saying, well, I got an agent and a manager now. I don't have to keep trying so hard. Oh, yes, you it's do. It's the opposite. This is 24-7 because they can't constantly focus on just you. And you got to bring something to the table that they can actually wrap their arms around and say, hey, I'm glad that you did that. Now I'm going to take it to where we're going to go. Well, even that, Mike, you know, they're supposed to have the Rolodex, they call it, to get you on shows, to do things. And I find, like you said, you get lost in the shuffle because they're, they're managing X amount of people and they're training. Oh, this guy's new. He's good. But listen, I know I'm going to make a few more bucks by putting this guy on and not you. And then you're looking and saying, well, why didn't I get that? He got it. You know, you find out you're the same managers or same agent and shit. And you're saying, what the fuck am I doing? And then you realize I can do it. I mean, I had a manager, uh, an agency, an agent, big agency. And uh, they fucked up more deals than they fucking did, you know, I mean, or made. And I said, what the fuck? And I'm not in the industry at that time. I mean, I'm, I am because people pitched me for TV shows. You know, I was pitched all the way 15, 14 years ago. Did a pilot when I got out of prison 15 years ago. I did a pilot a year after out because I was on TV, uh, radio. I had a radio show, and people said, you're a natural. And I did it, and my story and everything else. We did great shit. God, I mean, I had worked with people, and to this day, we are such close friends, certain people. And they, t- they tell me the real deal of what the fucking industry is like. And they've been in the industry for 40 years. You know, you've been in it for 30 years probably now, right? I'm in show business doing stand-up 31 years, and I've been in the business since I'm a teenager. So, wow. 40 years. And how old are you, Mike? 60. You're 60 years old. I turned 60 about uh, two weeks ago. Oh, take it great. Hey, happy birthday. Happy Happy birthday. Happy birthday to Mike Marino, everybody. Celebrate my birthday. There you go, Mike. 11 o'clock in the morning with a cigar, Larry Lawton. Oh, why not? Hideaway. If you're going (laughs) to the hideaway, this is the only place to be, right? So there you go. There you go. Thank you. Mike Marino. See, I'm learning the board. I still don't know the fucking name. It's it's amazing, Mike, that I'm 61. I'll be 62 this year. And, uh, and I look at that, and I, I have more energy now than I do 
that I, I just, cause I love what I do. I, I found that comfort level. This seems to be a little bit more fun for me where I am in my age range now and my career. It's fun, but I still have the trouble of wanting more. I always want more. I always thought it was going to be like, you know what? This is great. I'm making great money. I'm booked for the next year. I got my agent. I got my manager. I got everybody, but I got my money. I got my house. I want more. Yeah. I'm, I'm not done. <laughs> but that's a I, good I thing. More. But that's good. Don't when you want when you don't want still more, got the drive. Right. The you, drive. When you don't want more, you, you kind of like then you become irrelevant. You don't give it the hundred percent effort of making listen, Mike, you did a clip and and we you know we're gonna talk about some of these clips. You you do a a clip on to me, this latest clip is a Walmart clip. Whenever I go into Walmart, whenever I go into Walmart. Dave, this he's going to tell a little bit about. It. He, he I, I was in Walmart yesterday buying shit for the uh, you know, Daytona crap. You, you spent five hundred dollars today, you get fucking half a cart. But uh, I go into Walmart and there's lines backed up. Wait at the self checkout. Mike does a fucking skit. I was at I think I was at your COVID one, and you you did that one. Yes, that was in Boca, and he and did the it. Raz room. The Raz Room in yeah. Boca. You want to promote them? We That's all, why we, all, we all went out for drinks. Right yes, next afterwards, door. me, Bob, uh, 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 who was who's with us? Dave. Yeah. Yes. Me, Dave, my my girl at the time. I don't have a girl anymore. T- Teresa, and uh, yeah, no more. That's it. I, I like to be in the single life. But anyway, Mike goes and I go to a fucking COVID event, and trust me, I hate fucking going to places they tell me got a mask on and they told me i had a oh, mask on right. i said get the fuck that i had an old lady tell you put the mask on in the theater I said, i'm looking at it like hey lady but i could not leave during one fucking skit i was leaving because i hate that i hate covid i hate the fucking bullshit mike that clip or that bit you do you gotta get you come off and you talk about these people but give the Walmart a, one? Yeah, give me a smock. Why, why don't I get my insurance? I mean, he does it. I, you, you know, I butcher it. So I hate to tell. Tell somebody about that. I've been adding to that, too. I said uh, I went in there, and uh, I go into Walmart to buy certain things. You end up buying things that you didn't even know that they sold. So recently I went in there, and I, I didn't notice, but I bought a kayak. <laughs> and I don't even live near a lake. I figured it's on sale. <laughs> And if you buy a kayak, they throw in a free oar. I'm like, perfect. So when I went to go check it out, it was 800 pounds, and I couldn't pick up the thing to swipe it, so I hurt myself. So I'm now trying to get workers' comp from Walmart for hurting myself while I was on the job. <laughs> well, oh, he, it, it, this kid gets better. He got the blue smock and the name tag. He goes the whole it, – it's just – Oh, now you can even get your taxes done at Walmart, so I'm going even over the top. So I went to go see somebody to do my taxes. Turns out I'm the one that does my taxes because I do self-taxes at Walmart. <laughs> do you get a break for that? Yeah. Then I ask myself, how long you been working here? Well, just a couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't qualify for a return. Ah, damn it. <laughs> but do you get insurance from Walmart? No. <laughs> I'm trying to get workers comp. What about 40-hour weeks? Could you imagine that that's where the world went? So even when you go to an airport now, you have to check yourself in. So I figure, you know what? I'm going to work at the airport and start telling people, you're all in the wrong line. You got to go over there. 500 people went to the other side of the airport, and I went right to the front, and I checked myself in. <laughs> <laughs> then I started an argument with myself because my bags were too heavy. 
And I said, well, how much are the bags? An extra hundred bucks. I said, you know what? Fuck it. I ain't going. <laughs> <laughs> my, my brain works differently. No, I, I, I mean, to come up the material, again, everybody, I know Mike since, I don't know, a long time ago, probably 10 years. At the, I saw him at the Borgata. Wow, that's a while ago. At the Borgata, we I filmed. The I flew. Uh, you filmed. They had a big filming. And See, that's a, that's. Let me let me go on this. Go ahead. That's showbiz. Four years in a row, I do a solo performance at the Borgata in Atlantic City. Sell it out. One of them we filmed. You can get it on the internet. Talent coordinator changes. New guy goes in. I call him up and I says, "Can I get my show?" And he says, "No, you're out." Just like that. Just like that. And you packed that house. Yes. And they're going to say something like, you didn't sell any tickets. And you have footage of your, of your performance. You filmed it. So you're kind of like, what are you talking about? So what do you do? Do you get upset? No. You go to the casino down the block. And you say, you know what? Screw you. I'm going to do my own thing. And I'm going to go over there. And that's the shit that we go through. Did you do that? Yes. Uh, so I, I was at Dave. Uh, you'll like this. I went out. I, I got to... I get Mike up here. I met him up here. And uh, again, that, that was 9-11. It might have been a 10-year thing or whatever it was with the thing. So it's been a while ago. And I, I'd say probably right, 12 years ago or something like that. He was up here with the event. I think it was 10 years because they got the, the, the hunk of steel. He comes up and he like Vinny Pastore and they did their thing. And then uh, they say, he said, he's, oh, I'm playing at the uh, uh, Borgata. I'm doing the thing in Jersey. And I, I don't give a fuck. I said, I'll fly up there. I'm doing something up there. I'll fly up. I flew up. That's right. And and I met and I and I met Mike there after the show. I mean, just to say hello and stuff. He was so busy. I mean, I don't bother him. I like casinos. I went and probably dropped a couple grand in the casino at least. But it had a lot of fun. And I went up and it, the book I still get shit from the book Borgata. Well, I mean, I did because how much money I lost. <laughs> but I, I still get stuff from the book. I'm not kidding, I can show you in the trash. And uh, so that's how I met Mike. And when I met him, he had the, that was when you were really hot, if way before the president, it was other stuff. Uh, you, you had, again, your access changed. The reason I like to go see Mike a lot, and I see him, he has someone, and I call it the, the good material you love. And you still can't fucking, you comedians are amazing. I mean, I'm in YouTube, so I understand entertainment. I understand how to do things and when you get to know stuff. But the comedian world has got to be one of the roughest worlds to really work because, first of all, it's a lot of ad lib, obviously, and, and, and you don't know if it's going to hit. And, you you know, you hear stories about Jay Leno uh, going to nightclubs. You hear about and and he never, ever spent his Tonight Show money. He only lived off of, of certain money. Uh, you take Mike. He plays the Laugh Factor in California to this day, right? Correct, yeah. I went out to California about uh, six months ago. No, it was April. I can tell you it was April of last year because it was 420. They they brought me out there for a big 420. And uh, I went and saw you. I would say, hey, Mike, where you are? Hey, Larry, come on. I get your tickets over to Laugh Factor. We went over there. It'll cost me a ton of money. You know, it fucking cost me about 300 in alcohol. <laughs> you, you were with a lot of people. Yeah, with my you, team. You, you brought your entourage. Yeah, no, my entourage <laughs> is my team. We were working. That's what it is. We were working. We were doing shows yeah. and stuff like that. And uh, we went out there, Dave, and he is always working. I guess, is that where you work your material? The uh, Laugh Factory is my home club in Hollywood. It's probably one of the most famous comedy clubs 
in the world, and I do get carte blanche because I've been there a long time, and I still bring my A game, and I'm allowed to get some people on the guest list and have some fun, but that's the mecca, and you never know who's in that audience. You can go up there and hit a grand slam, and you walk off that stage, and there's somebody going, hey, listen, I'm doing this movie. I'm doing this TV show. That's the way I get most or of I'm my Or I'm a corporate work. executive. Do you do, do, you do yes. uh, stuff Would like that? Would you like to come and do a charity? Uh, uh, I, I saw your podcast. We're looking to do some new sponsorships. So it's always great to be part of that and stay part of it. You, you told me a story about that, Mike. Yeah, Mike, why do you need an agent? Sometimes you need an agent to negotiate maybe some deals that you might not have known how to do correctly. They might know people that you didn't know. Uh, they can sometimes take you to another level. Management's almost sometimes a little bit better to have because they're more hands-on. They don't have a a huge roster of a lot of different people. Right, right. Yeah, and Mike, I, I want to ask a question about it because you said, you told me a story back then and I I thought about it a lot last night to bring it on the show. And like I said, I'm I'm a nut. I'm a worker. I was up late. I'm, I'm watching your, you know, stuff. And uh, you told me about you were at the, at the Laugh Factory when Michael Richards. Oh, yeah. Right? Michael Richards is, it let, I'm going to give a little, a little bit of pre. Michael Richards is Kramer on Seinfeld, very famous. Uh, well, he's a comedian. He does. He was the goofball neighbor of Jerry Seinfeld. And if you haven't seen it, it's great. He's great in the show and everything else. Well, talking about a fuck up or and a major fuck up in a in a way, I don't believe in cancel con- bullshit. But we're going to get into that in a minute. Uh, I want to get a little deep in that and see what your views are on that. But you were there uh, the night that Kramer fucked up his career. I mean, I don't know if he's, he's ever destroyed. repounded. I he, don't think he did. He destroyed his career. It took about maybe five minutes. Five minutes to destroy a career that was, you know. And how did talk- he do it? How did oh, well, well, we're going to get into this in a minute. And I want to hear it. So what happened was I was at the Laugh Factory, and I, we were talking about it. I was with Billy and uh, my friend from 60 Minutes, great friend. I told you one of my best friends. And uh, he said something about to me. He goes, yeah, I think this is the place that somebody, Kramer, or that guy Kramer, yeah. and Michael Rich. Yeah, Michael Richard. I asked you that night. Tell the story of what happened to our audience and how you were there and what happened with you there. Well, I wasn't supposed to be the next comedian. I was pushed to be the next comedian to clean up the mess because the owner, Jamie Masada, knows I got the the wherewithal and the mustard to change the course of the evening by what I would do. Well, explain what happened with Kramer. I would like you to explain. You were there. I mean, we got a guy oh, sitting we, in this room. We watched the whole thing. That's well, for damn sure. And and I'm going to ask a few questions to it, but Mike was there. when This ruined a major, major person's career. Literally, Mike, you were there. Very rare do you get somebody on a show that was at the physical. You might know him and this. You were there. Did you know him? I didn't know him, no. I know him to say hello. Okay. So Everybody he, at the Laugh Factory who performs on stage, no matter where you are in the food chain, we're all created equal. You get 20 minutes to perform on that stage. Now, he might not do a great job, but it doesn't matter because he's a celebrity. Then you got the other comedians who aren't celebrities, but they got their A game and they're coming to get you. So you got to do the best you can. It was a Friday night. They have three shows. There's a, an 8 o'clock, a 10 o'clock, and a midnight show. So Kramer was actually finishing his set in the 10 o'clock show, which once he said goodnight, everybody would have left and a new crowd would come in and the new show would start. I was supposed to be last in the third show. 
when we were outside, me, the doorman, uh, I was with um, a couple other celebrity comedians, Sinbad, and we're standing there. Oh, wow, there. yeah, yeah, he's a big name. I haven't heard from him lately, but... Uh, he had a stroke. He's actually coming out of rehab now. Wow, Sinbad. I did not know it. Okay, yeah. He's a legendary comedian. Uh, absolutely, that's, absolutely. That's, that's a legend. I know yeah. Sinbad. Well, yeah, we know. I mean, not personally, No, of but course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we heard him. Go ahead. Well, we were outside talking, and a guy comes over to the doorman and says, hey, my buddy's going to be 21 tonight. Four comedians are in the midnight show to bust his balls. So the doorman says, Marino. And I go, hey, how you doing? He goes, hey, can you break my buddy's balls? He's going to be 21. So the doorman says, well, Kramer's on stage right now. Why don't you kids go in from now? And you can catch the last bit of him. So when they went inside and they went up into the balcony, Kramer heard them talking, but they were basically ordering drinks. So any skilled comedian would have just said, hey, a couple drinks, and then you continue. So the kid says out loud, my buddy turning 21. So Kramer, Michael Richards, says, oh, just shut up or whatever. And he goes, ah, come on, razz him a little bit. He's 21. So a great skilled comedian, let's say anybody, maybe me, would have said, holy crap, it's your birthday. Well, welcome to 21. Send them a drink. And it's over. For whatever reason, Michael Richards had to say, shut up. And the kid said, you suck. And he goes, you effing N-word. <sighs> now, there's 300 people in this room. A lot of tourists. A lot of different colors. And you could hear a pin drop. And all the comedians in the back of the room were like, hmm, I wonder what he plans on doing. Is this a skit? Is this a routine? And then he said, and, yeah. And how long ago was this, Mike? I don't know, maybe eight years ago. Yeah, I was, I was trying to think about it. And that. he said, uh, yeah, that's right. I said it, and I'll say it again. And he said it again. Then he said it again. Then he said things like, I used to buy people like you. I got so much money, I could buy your life. I got, I got, boom, boom, boom. boom. And he's saying the N-word? Oh, yes. Oh, I mean, yeah. so now people bring so their cameras we, out? Well, a couple people took out their phones, and they started to videotape the situation. Then he took the microphone, he threw it on the ground, and that was it. And now the bouncers are coming into the room because there's looks like there's going to be a riot. The poor kids who were just there were getting thrown out of the club, and nobody knew what to do. The wait. Why were they getting thrown out? Well, because it looked like they started the trouble. Gotcha. Okay. They, they actually really didn't. No, absolutely. And I don't even think there was any black guys within the actual realm of what he was doing. He assumed because you can't see. Maybe they sounded like they were urban, let's say. But there's so many different ethnic backgrounds in this place. So the, the owner of the club comes over to me and goes, all right, Marino, come on, you're next. And I go, how am I next? I'm not, I'm not even until the next show. He goes, you know what to do. Clean this up. Come on, clean this up. So I went on stage, and I went like this. I says, you know, you black people here in California, you really make me laugh. If you ever spoke like that where I'm from in New Jersey, they'd have stabbed him seven times before he got off the stage. I said, what are you waiting for? <laughs> He's standing over there. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the place went wild. <laughs> And then I looked at everybody go, it's a good thing you didn't say nothing about the Italians. <laughs> <laughs> That's and then, great. And then everybody's laughing and screaming and enjoying it. Again, you're back. Right, they're back in the... Now, that came out of the top it, of your head. Well, yeah. Back of the saddle. I got everybody. And then the light never went on. So I kept performing and performing and performing. It was supposed to be off in 20 minutes. I didn't find out till the next day. The owner said, you know what? He cleaned this up. Let it go. Don't say nothing. And the night came and went. The next night. How long Saturday did you do? Night, about 40 minutes. Wow. About like two skits. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two yeah. sets. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So 
And then the night was over. The next night I go back there and now I'm in the eight o'clock show and there's Kramer. And I says, Tiona, what the hell are you doing? He goes, you introduce him, bring him up big. He's very, very nervous. And I go, why is he here? And he goes, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So it's okay. I actually introduced them. I wish they had this on tape. They said, ladies and gentlemen, they did not have this on tape. I said, this guy is coming up to the stage right now. He's a big name from a big talk show. He was here last night, and boy, did he kill. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Michael Richards. So he goes up on stage. Now he does a good show. It didn't break in the news until Sunday night. Sunday night, they have a show at the Laugh Factory called Chocolate Sundays, the all-black comedy jam. I just happened to be in it. I've played it many, many times. And uh, I was in three magazines. The man who uh, settled the problem. Oh, they, they, they realized. People probably filmed you the next one coming up. I had a couple of little bits. You could see me. But I didn't get really big play out of it. I really didn't think much of it. We kind of just thought it was another night at the club. Really? But he was all over. And now, I mean, the, I mean, did you know right away how big it would be? Not at all. So, you, I mean, you didn't realize his career was over? No. When my set was over, I went home. Like, I think we went next door to Greenblatt's. <laughs> do, you think, do you think the owner of that place knew? I don't think he knew either. So, now, I'm going to get back into that now. Obviously, in today's world, even myself, I just never use that word. I just I never, never did. do. I just think, you know what it is? And I just think, Mike, is where we come from. You know, you come from New York. You come from New Jersey. There was, it, it wasn't about race. If you were black, Spanish, Chinese, Martian, if you lived in our neighborhood, you were good. End of story. That was it. I mean, it, we didn't give a shit. Now, if you weren't, I don't care who you are, white, black, you were done. You know what I'm saying? It did not matter. If you didn't live in our neighborhood, you, you were done. So I didn't grow up like the racist, racism that I see in places, let's face it, like Florida or Alabama or Louisiana. I'm sure you've played those places out in, the, in that area. And they have to be a lot different, Mike, uh, in, in the way. But what do, you, what do you think is going on today? Do you believe that, that the cancel culture is, is bad? Do you think it's, what is your take on the cancel culture? I'm sure the cancel culture has some really good effects on other people. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not affected. My stand-up routine is about me. And if you're offended about me and my life, what, what could I possibly do? Yeah, no. Well, the reason I say this, too, when I went and saw you, there was a, a black comedian who was pretty funny, who was on in, in your group, you know, when we went. and uh, But it was kind of... I could say that should be, why isn't that racism? Or why isn't that when he, you know, he called, uh, I don't know what the, what the, uh, honky or something or, and, and it was like, I'm wondering why that wasn't a racist joke or why didn't nobody care about it? Or, you know, uh, you'll see, you'll see black comedians use the N word all the time. Now yeah. I don't care personally. I don't listen. I don't get, cause I don't believe in cancer culture. I think, if you don't like it, get up and leave. If you don't like what I'm saying on this YouTube show, get off. Get off. Turn Mike. Turn your computer off. Turn your uh, Spotify off or your iTunes. And don't listen to Mike Marino and Larry Lawton and David Lawton. Just don't listen to us. I don't give a fuck. And and I I use language obviously that that's pretty wild. But I just I'm me. So people always ask me, Larry, don't you ever worry about saying something on the radio? They're gonna cancel you. I, say, I don't give a fuck because I don't say things. 
in my life I don't say things that are that are gonna cancel me. So and if it is, then that's who I am. And at my age, I really don't give a fuck. Like you say, you're at that age. I just find it hard as a comedian, and especially comedians. I feel for you guys in a big way because it's an act. It's making people laugh. It's whatever. I could care less if you use the N word, this word. I could care less. I really, if, I, I don't do anything offensive, and I don't make fun of people. You but make if, fun of Walmart. If so, well, that's a, that's those are situations. They're corporations. <laughs> uh, if somebody is in my audience and they're not laughing, I'll do anything I can to find something funny for them. Uh, I could cut people apart in lightning speed. This is all I do. I'm a wordsmith. You never want to mess with a comedian. We will fuck you up like you have no idea. That is so true. Because I know what's on your mind. I know how to read body posture. I know why you came. I know why you didn't want to come. I know why you're not laughing. I know who you're trying to challenge me. I got the whole thing down. You think you're bravo. You got a girl with you showing you a tough guy or whatever bullshit. It's not going to work. You're going to get buried. And I'm still pretty tough. I'll wait for you after the show if I need to. <laughs> you know, it's funny. But, Mike is right because I'm a speaker. And uh, I'll, I've spoken in 500 people in rooms and stuff. And, you know, events and stuff. And I, I speak about my program. But I can read the room. You could read the room what's working and literally alter it here or there. Or maybe a story here or there. Because that's what I am, storyteller. And... You do read the room. It's amazing how I, I can do that. And just by the feel of what I see out there, I like the 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 nod of a head. The, oh, my God. The, look at this. You know, look at the partner. Like, look at the, the partner of the person because they have a bad kid or something. Oh, man, that's my. You know, and you can keep going on that. And comedians, though, I think have to be, in my mind, the most talented actors in, in business. And because they have to go on a fly, they have to be so quick witted. Quick you know witted, I mean? and but Dave, that goes over time. You don't just become oh, yeah. quick witted. But Mike is like I said. You, you know, I watched a couple of comedians. I watched Jerry Seinfeld. I, I've seen Jerry Seinfeld a few times. He's very funny, very clean, very funny. Comes. It's a story like, he, and I watched him cut somebody to, to ribbons. But the best and one of my favorite comedians of all time is George Carlin. Yeah, wow. and I seen George Collin live three times, and uh, George calling to me when I seen him fuck people up in the audience. Holy shit! I mean, you don't want that. I mean, I don't care who you are, you don't want that. Well, you look at guys like even Don Rickles. I mean, oh. if he was around today, maybe cancel culture would try to cancel him. But the thing is, you know what he does. You're going there for that right, that reason. Well, Plus, Lisa Lampanelli. Lisa, that's that era. That's what they were doing. You know, but Lisa still does her show, doesn't yeah. she? Because Lisa, I saw Lisa live, and you know, matter of fact, I was sitting next to a couple of black uh, black ladies, and I'm cracking up, and they're kind of like feeling weird, you know, like Lisa's talking about big black cock that fucking, you know, she think gets pounded. If anybody doesn't know who Lisa Lampanelli is. Check her out. She talks about getting pounded by big black yeah. cock well, and all this crazy shit. She talks about fucking Snoop Dogg and everybody else. And it's I just felt it was hilarious what was going on. And these people kind of felt I could tell they felt uncomfortable. And I said to uh, Teresa at the time, my, my girl, I said, you know, they didn't look good. And you see, so you, I, I also saw some people get up and leave. And she didn't miss a beat. And I says, 
why would you go to a Lisa Lampanelli concert? It was when we had 22,000 people there. It was at the King Center. And I says, why would you go to that concert knowing who she is? No, if you just Googled her or you even looked her up, it says in there, offensive this, offensive that, uh, ra- uh, racial jokes, racial stuff. If you don't like it, don't go. Well, it's like going to see Andrew Dice Clay and oh. saying, oh, the guy was dirty. Well, what did you think was coming? What did you expect? Yeah. Exactly. It's who he is. It's what he does. And, Mike, okay, on that note, uh, you cleaned the, the Richards thing up. Now, did did you ever see a, a – I've seen a few they tried to cancel. Uh, we want to go to like Louis C.K. Do you know Louis C.K. at Not all? Not personally, no. We've done shows together, but I don't really know him. Now. Right, right. You, you I know, know of him. I know his career. And you know great. what happened to him. Yeah. Uh, and and he rebounded. I mean, I don't. I I see him now all over again. I see him on places. I think I thought he got a raw deal again. And uh, why does somebody like that make it or come back, and somebody like a Michael Richards not? Well, I think because you didn't uh, get these questions what before, was, have you, Mike? <laughs> well, well, in my opinion, you know, Michael Richards did what he did, and it was taped, and it was seen by millions of people, and it was uncalled for. Louis C.K. He admitted to what he did, but it had to do with what he was doing in green rooms. It wasn't mm. him on stage dropping the M-bomb in front of a, an audience live. So, I mean, it, so there is a level to you on stage that was out of hand. So his was out of hand. I thought so. Now it is. But you didn't think at the time. You just didn't no, click? At the time, we thought it was, at, uh, it was stupid. It was out of hand, but we thought maybe he was trying to make some kind of a comedy choice here. It wasn't until he walked off the stage that everybody realized, wow, he really just didn't know what to do. Right. He just went he off and he went off like saying, like, you know, if you if you look at you can still look at the tapes and you look, it's like, uh, you know, like the way he said it was you could tell. I mean, it's like if I, if I got was, mad at you, you'd mad. know it, you know, it just makes you wonder why would somebody so famous, so wealthy even come out or even Stay my home or even not know how to clean it up. How's that? I uh, mean. Even on the stage. I mean, you might say it one time. I mean, many people have, and they've come back. And and I, and because I, I'm not a believer, unless listen, I think it has to come from your heart or whatever it is. I think people, uh, truth to the matter, I've never, I don't know it. I don't know if it's true or not. I've never seen Michael Richards on charity events or things that are going helping people. Now, again, maybe he has, but I've never seen it. So. Obviously, knowing you, Mike, you do a lot of charity. I met you at a charity event uh, for 9-11. So that, that, that brings right away, this guy's a good guy. I mean, it's funny as fuck, and he's a good guy. I mean, we know he gets paid for it, but you still don't got to do it because you don't get paid the big bucks like he did on other events. Not for charities, no. Right. I was doing the USO comedy. That was we were, going we were, there. We were all the way out in Afghanistan. That's when I first started doing things about if I was the president, we had an Italian president. So when I did the Italian president joke give, give on the what, what, what is so, it? Do, yeah, do that one. That, you got to kind of do it for it. Give the audience a little bit. When we first went to Afghanistan, Baghdad, Kuwait, three comedians from Los Angeles went with the USO comedy tour out of the Laugh Factory. So when I went out there, that's when they were looking for Osama bin Laden. So when I went out there, I says, you know, I feel sorry that you guys were all out here and that you can't go home and we're all looking for the one guy. I says, you know, that's why we need an Italian president from New Jersey running the country. They never would have sent you 
you never would have sent the army, the Navy, the Marine Corps, two Italians from Jersey be back in 24 hours. And they'd have found them. <laughs> they'd have walked right into this cave and said to him, listen, sit down. I got to talk to you about something. Pull up a rock. You comfortable? I'm already, I'm so pissed off for you. I had to come here. You know how far you live from New Jersey? We had to take a plane. Tell you what, Ben, sit still. Vinny, do me ben. a favor. Whack this piece of shit. Is he dead? Good. Steal the rugs. Let's get out of here. You know, the so, bat. The bat was a great thing the, you had going. That was doing a baseball bat. And I did this other joke, too. Because if you remember, when they first went to war out there, France didn't want to be part of America. They didn't want to help America. So on an aircraft carrier in front of 5,000 men and women, I said, and if I was running a country and France didn't want to help America, I'd have cut the head off the Statue of Liberty and sent it back to France as a warning. And the place <laughs> went wild. <laughs> wild. You see people just going crazy. Uh, on the ship. Yeah, military guys are. I, I'm, I'm retired military. And you yearn. I was out at sea for a lot of times. Well, because I'm a slice of American pie, and these guys are listening to the attitude, and and you know, I, I I started doing all things about you know friendly fire. What happened? Well, my friend shot me in the ass. I don't know what kind of friend I have, and and all of this stuff that they get to experience, and then they get to hear it from. Did me. you develop that skit? The pres, uh, the the you know, I remember this from Statue that tour. Yes. Yeah. Right for that ship. Then I started doing, you know, Vinny get the bat and we would whack people. Maybe I should run the country. Maybe if we had an Italian president, this is how it all started. So we ended up doing this really big charity, raising thousands and thousands of dollars. And that's when I started to get slammed by Italian people saying, uh, you shouldn't say that. You make us all look bad. You make us think everybody's in the mafia. You're not in the mafia. You're really not Italian. So one guy said to me one day, and he goes, you know, I really don't appreciate what you do. And I go, good, give me the money back. Give me all, all the money that I raise for all these charities by doing what I do. Give me the money back. You don't need to have it. Good for you. What do he say? Well, you know, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, now you're changing your mind. Why don't you dig a little deeper into who I am? I started the Sons of Italy in Hollywood. I was one of the founders of the Feast of San Gennaro in Los Angeles. I have raised millions for people I will never meet by saying and doing what I do. So maybe you guys should shut up. I love Besides, it. I'm only making tongue-in-cheek jokes. I never said I was connected. I never said I was part of any crew. It's a joke. It's a joke. And quite honestly, it's funny. So what I'm doing on stage now because we're still in this weird realm. I said, well, what if I ran for president for real? And my platform's going to be make America Italian again. It's just a joke. You know, I got people say to me, why was America ever Italian? I go, yeah, you don't remember when? Well, are you out of your mind? <laughs> it's a joke. We had a president who said, make America great again. So I spun it. I made it a twist. And now I'm saying my platform is you don't know nothing. You don't see nothing. You don't say nothing. That's America. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to America. You know who's cab who's your cabinet? My cabinet, I got a couple of guys in the cabinet from the old school days. Anthony, Nikki, Joey, Tony, Salvi, downtown Ronnie from Brooklyn. Everybody's in the cabinet. Even my mother's in the cabinet. Because we gotta eat. <laughs> you gotta eat. I think one of the funniest jokes I'm doing now is I says, Yeah, I wanted I wished I was the president when uh when uh ISIS was giving us problems because I'd have called them up and I said, Ice, I gotta talk to you. And and it's just so stupid. That I said I'm going to talk to ICE. Yeah. It's a joke. Yeah. And they're but, like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. It's a joke. Oh. There's not one person. 
But I like doing that. I've been doing this thing now. I go, you know, I went over, we want to go over to uh, North Korea and talk to people. What happened? Well, I don't really know what happened, but they're gone now. <laughs> and you don't have to worry about it. North Korea's gone. You're, you're hungry? <laughs> <laughs> we got to eat. <laughs> so, Mike, uh, get back to your charity. So you did the USO tour. Yeah, many uh, times. Many times. And is that an experience that, that people don't understand? Or is it? I mean, a lot of people today believe, oh, the military shouldn't be here. Today. And, and I, I might even believe that. But that does not have anything to do with the, the, the soldiers that are going there on orders of our president or our, our government and, and away from home. And I think you guys and Bob Hope to me is a legend just for that, just for the Bob Hope tour, obviously. And he did that during Vietnam, actually. Yeah. And uh, I think it was amazing what they did, you know, obviously. And you, you continuing. I mean, do you, is it still going on? Yes, yes. The USO, United States organizations, bring joy to the enlisted men and women around the world. Plus, they also have their charities and functions of what they do. So if you ever went to an airport and you see the booth that says USO, that's for the military people to go in and maybe relax other than going into a United club, right? I go to them. So when, I'm retired military, yeah. Right. Well, right. then you see them. Absolutely, all of them. Major airports all have them. The first one I ever went to was Japan. Then uh, when we went to Afghanistan and then Kosovo. Maybe you guys all remember when Milosevic was uh, doing ethnic cleansing from Kosovo to Macedonia. So here we are on these buses going through this beautiful scenic view. Look like Ireland. All these green trees and grass. But you see the people walking back and forth going from border to border to save their lives. You actually get to see it in person. And we were on a touring bus. And the bus stopped at, at a border, and then everybody comes out, and they put the mirrors underneath the bus, and they want to see what you got. And is it the military? And it's not the military. The comedian, who's a comedian? And you get to see these people who are so just war-torn atmospheres. Like, this has got to suck for these people. And we were in that area where they had the Cold War when there was a, something to do with that famous hotel in Sarajevo. Oh, sorry, sorry about that. Sarajevo, we went by there, and the guy driving the bus was an ex-military guy, and he was telling us the stories and what it was like back in the day. And I'm like, because – so then you say, well, what was the war about? And he goes, religion. And I go, how can that be? Hey, religion. How, can, how could religious people be so harmful to each other? Uh, no, that, that's not even funny. I mean, I, I know you're not being funny, I don't think. Well, no, I'm not. <laughs> He's how telling could, you what the world is. No, I mean, it, 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 it blows me away every day I, I talk about that because I read the Bible. I was in prison for so long. I read the Bible five times cover to cover as a book. Wow. And more people have died in the Bible. I mean, King David killed 5,000 people. 5,000 people. He fucking also then killed his best friend and fucked his wife, and he's now a fucking hero in the fucking Bible. I don't get it. There's more death and destruction. And that Quran, I've read the Quran three times. I read uh, the Torah, I read many Buddha books. I was in the hole for so long that all they give you some some places was a religious book. Wow. So you'd read it. And it blows me away that we we don't understand right now to this day the the like he said, living in this war to kids growing up and this is all they know. And you go we we bring Americans there and to I guess 
you know, whatever nation build, I don't stuff I don't believe in, but it's not their fault. And to see that the USO is still in action, helping and at least put a smile on, on the faces of these, these, I mean, they put tours together. Did they do them still as big as they did back then? I hope so. When we were there, of course, it wasn't like the Bob. Don't Hope rip my thing. arm off, Mike. When, when Bob, Hope- <laughs> he's got my, he's got my doll, and he's still going to rip his arm off. See New Jersey. Dig, throw me a cigar, please. A crooked diamond. I knew that's good. Thank you, buddy. We all smoking and drinking, and uh, I think we're, we're going to be coming up with a glass of wine here soon, if you'd like. It might as well. It's almost noon. Yeah, it's <laughs> noon somewhere. <laughs> we saw a lot of men and women. 19, 20, 21 years old. Um, captains, sergeants, 25, 26. And you're just like, wow, these guys can't leave. We're going to get on a bus and get on a plane, and we're out of here in 10 days. They have to stay. So that that just really sucked. And then you, you made friends with some people. You stayed in touch with some people. One guy, his name was Sergeant Major Keith Williams. I'll never forget. He was telling me how they were going to the point of the spear. Years later, he came to the Laugh Factory, and while I was performing, he stopped the show, got up on stage, and handed me a flag that flew over Afghanistan. Jeez, oh, I'm going to cry. And he gave it to I me. I swear to God. In the, in, the, in the triangle box. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have one of them. In that box. Yeah. The triangle. Yeah, triangle. It's, a, it's a folding. Triangle. It's the way you fold the flags. It's and a stars had, only show. had sand on it from Afghanistan. And then he handed me a a plaque above and beyond the call of duty. And you feel like going, guys, I actually really didn't do anything. I went out there and had some fun. I entertained you all, and I came back. You're the ones who did this. You're the ones who deserve these. Uh, That had to make you, that had to break you up. I'm not kidding. I want to cry. I was on stage when they handed it to me. This was live in front of an audience at the Laugh Factory. And then, of course, a couple years later, when they handed you the actual Bob Hope Award, which is like the Oscars for stand-up. It looks like Bob Hope about this big, and it's shaped and painted like Bob Hope, and it's gold. So it was the Oscars for stand-up. They had the, the whole thing on television. It was on the radio. How often did they do that, Mike? Yeah, it was Once a that, year? Yeah. I think they only did it that one time. Wow. wow. And, and you, you got one. It. Yeah, I think 20, 20 different guys got it. What an honor. Now, did, did you know what it, like, uh, I, of course, it's for helping uh, entertain the United States troops yeah. and stuff. But it was it, did you have to, well, qualified, did you have to go there three times? Did you have to entertain the I think you people? just had to be part of USO tours. And a lot of guys did it many times. I think I did a total of 20 performances. 20 times places. you went overseas? Yeah. Wow. I even went to uh, uh, Dubai. Dubai. Wow. Yeah. But that was in peacekeeping time. But we went to go entertain different troops in different areas. And then I actually got to stay in Dubai and do more shows. I'm going back to Dubai in May. You know, I was going to do it. I was going to do a speaking gig in, in Dubai. Go. No, I looked it up on the uh, uh, State Department and what they can do to you, like take your phone and look it up for porn or, this, you know, there's too many dick pics and fucking pussy pics and tit pics on my phones and computers and stuff. They said because they actually tell you. Take a different phone or make sure you don't have it because they have the legal right in those countries to stop you on the street and look at your phone. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And that, that scares the shit out of me. I'm not saying they're doing it. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they handle people. But there has been some uh, very famous people. Uh, somebody who was fucking somebody over there that not long ago uh, got in big trouble over there. Yeah, who Do you remember? You're laughing. You're, uh, well, man, you know, the, 
when you have people, let's say, like this female sports figure, the basketball yeah. player, and she got busted with the weed and she got sent to jail and whatnot, in my opinion, you feel like going, well, why didn't you research that you're not supposed to do that where you're going? Yeah. Come on now. No, no, I I, I did a whole video on 100%. that. 100%. I, I, I did a video on that, you, Mike. You know where you're, you're going. You're going to Russia. I, what I did, I talked about on my show that I had to, I researched. He's talking about Brittany Grant. Yeah, of course, and I did a whole video on it. First of all, people don't know there's also a teacher uh, who uh, six months before, that's like, I think it was Foils, they can look it up on my show. Uh, six months before uh, Brittany Grimes uh, got arrested, same thing, had 15 grams, not of, she had a hash oil, or whatever they called it, dabs or whatever. Uh, this guy got caught with just 15 grams of marijuana, and he's a school teacher, and he's still there. They got her out before the school teacher. And that's kind of pissed me off. I mean, if you, you want to fight for American, I don't give a shit who you are. It has nothing to do with black, white, uh, rich, famous. You're an American. You should be represented by the country. And the President Biden should have got him out first. Then her. I don't give a shit. Now, he even was interviewed and uh, or, or mentioned something. And uh, he says, I have no, you know, I'm glad people got out. You know, I, I want to get out. And, uh, Nobody that they washed that under the under the rug, and I disagreed with it because what you said. Listen, you're a million dollar athlete. You got lawyers, people, whatever you're gonna do, and you get making a million a year or whatever or endorsements in, the, in the, this contract in Russia. You don't think she should known? I know what the fuck. I'm not a fucking genius. I was gonna do a a, a gig in Mexico, Mexico City, and they told me that at that point, at the time, I was gonna do a speaking gig there that it's dangerous and security because they're kidnapping, you know, people and there's not much you can do. And, you know, and, and at the school that wanted me in, they're, oh, we're going to get you security. Yeah, and I'm thinking, right, then the fucking security guard pay. They think Larry Lawton's got money. He's a fucking broke motherfucker. But they think he's got money and they kidnap your ass and then I'm dead because nobody here is going to send money to Larry Lawton. But you get what I'm saying, Mike. It 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 it, it really pissed me off on that, that gig. But I'm going to go... When you go overseas, do you know where you're going? I mean, do you look? I mean, the USO tours, there are certain things you have to do. Oh, yeah. That, that That's why sports figure, celebrity, whatever you are, you get busted. It's your own fault. It's right. your own fault. You get thrown in jail because you went with drugs. Come on now. Yeah, how stupid Come can on. you be? Yeah, I mean. When we get on that plane and we're headed to where we're going, you are informed. From top to bottom. You come in here with a joint, you're done. We went to Dubai. They search your bags, baby. And I and you mean search them. They... One kid, one kid had real gummy bears from uh, you know, the candy. Yeah, the and real they, one. They, not 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 gummy, not marijuana. Not marijuana gummies. And they held him there for a good hour, waiting for him to say, You're right, they are marijuana. And he didn't because it wasn't. Right. But they couldn't wait to score and put you in. There is also, we almost got in a little bit of trouble because this one lady on the tour was saying, you've got to go see the bathrooms. The bathrooms are made with gold. You're going to stay in a oh, seven-star yeah. hotel. So I went into this thing, and I saw the picture of the man. He had a little teepee next to him, but it was a man. So I figured, okay, this is the men's room. So I went into the men's room. And the washing things were in the center of the wall. And there was a pea trough at the bottom. 
and I didn't see any toilets. So I said, I don't know why this lady thinks this is that big of a deal. So I turned to my buddy and said, do me a favor, videotape me peeing in the tree in the pee trough. This is comedians. Here we are in the fancy place in Dubai. So I'm peeing in the pee trough. And he videotaped and we were laughing. And we walked out. And I went back and I said to the lady, I go, well, that's not that big of a deal. I've seen bathrooms a lot better than that. And she goes, what are you talking about? And I go, that thing over there with the man and the tent. She goes, oh, my God, you peed in the prayer room. No. Get it. Is that true? Yeah. That is a skit in oh. itself, my God. And I go, then what was the thing? She goes, that's to wash your feet so you can go into the other room and bow. And you peed in it. <laughs> and you got video of it. Well, we got rid of that. <laughs> Get rid of the evidence. So we went into the one where you do go to the bathroom, and it was exquisite. And it's exquisite because, you know, they have these bidets. Yeah, oh yeah. You can go to the bathroom, and then you clean yourself in the in the bidet, and it is glamorous but i didn't even know we were really innocent and she looked at me and she goes delete 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 let's get out of here they will <laughs> lock you up oh 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 fucking with their prayer rooms and stuff you're done it wasn't even really by accident oh yeah. it, it, there's no accident they'll yes. tell you that there's no accident i mean you know that and then you got to prove it you know things have changed look what's going on right now right now in iran with the women and the people with the, with the rights and how many people, 200 people have been killed, killed, put to death. Jumping 200, I think it's up, David. You remember that? I don't know how many now. Well, more than that. Yeah. Over over what? Over some bullshit about, you know, because a woman don't have a right now. And I get it. Listen, I, I'm all for it. But my thing is we can't change the world and we shouldn't try to change the world. That's where we get into, you know, the United States gets into uh, trouble, like, what makes our fucking system the, the best? Because let's face it, we've corrupted. You know, I often tell this story. I say, you think America can't fuck with you? Yeah, you don't think the government of the United States can't fuck with you? Let me tell you, guy comes to me. I was in prison, Mike. Guy goes, I read my case because I did the law work for 10 years. I got a law. That's why my paralegal degree's on the wall. But I did the law for 10 years. Really good at it. And a uh, guy comes to me, look at this case. And he starts showing me everything. He goes, you, you know, you can't, you can't, they can't do this. I said, they can't do it. They keep saying that word to me. And I go, let me tell you something, kid. And I'm 45, he's 22, he just comes up and I said, this government went to Panama. They made the president a drug dealer. They flew in with fucking jets, took him the fuck out of his fucking palace, brought him to America. And you know where he is? He's in Miami Correctional Center. My buddy was in the same prison he was in. I said, that's a Noriega. And they can't fuck with you? Are you off your fucking rocker? This government, if they want to fuck with you, they will fuck with you. End of story. I've read some crazy shit. And I'm, I love my government. Do I think there's a lot of fuck-ups in it? Do I think there's a lot of things out of me change? Absolutely. Anybody who says they haven't lived long enough. I was that rah-rah guy when I was a kid. I was a young Republican. I was in the fucking young Republican. I was a Ronald Reagan fucking guy. Marched for him. On that wall, Mike, you can look up there right now. There's a sign that says, I marched for President Ronald Reagan's inauguration parade. Up in the top right next to the silver YouTube on the right. It says, Ronald Wilson Reagan, Larry Lawton, uh, marched for him in the presidential fucking inaugural parade. I was rah-rah Reagan all the way. And I remember when I went to the military, you know, bomb, 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 bomb Iran, bomb, bomb. You know, it was big, and I get it. I was fucking, you start getting older. I was in the Coast Guard. 
And uh, we used to board Russian and, and Maru and Japanese and ships in the 200 miles fisheries conservation zone out in Alaska. I was stationed out there. And we'd board, board, board them for uh, fines and give them a million dollar fine. Now we're putting our lives on the line. We're in the Bering Sea, fucking boarding ships with 10, 12 foot seas. I remember one we had 20 foot seas. The captain says, Lawton, can you go get them? That was the boat cap, small boat cap. I'll get them. You, get, you drop me, captain, I'll get them. They dropped me out of the boat. People could die. The Bering Sea. We find a ship a million dollars. We, you know, because uh, they're illegal fishing. It's called the Two Hundred Miles Fisheries Conservation Zone. Every country has. So we fought, we find them. Years later, I find out. Ah, eh, whatever happened to those fines? We get the money to something. Oh no, no, they use that in the State Department. Like. Bullshit, like, if you bring the coffee to this fucking meeting, we're going to wipe out this 20 fucking fines and shit. It's bullshit. It's politics. It's, it's shit. Yeah, your, that, life, your, your, your crew and your life was on the line for that shit. For that shit. And, you know, you look back and you go, what the fuck, you know, is really wrong with the, with the situation? And then people say, oh, you don't know. That, might, that getting that coffee might have made them a, a fucking, you know, I'm just giving an example. Might have made them a... Uh, uh, a fucking deal that they could, you know, fucking put more men on the border or something. I don't know. It's fucking bullshit. And I look at the, you know, United States being the fucking big policers of the world, doing everything in the world. And I think of the young people who've died for yeah. this country for shit like that. That's why I said when we were out there and you see these 19, 20, 21 year old kids that can't leave. Take, the, take that uh, band off, Mike. Just keep it over here. We, we keep the band. And we do it because we're making something. Oh, really? pretty, yeah, yeah. You see these things. You, you keep these bands and you put them in a jar, and they make like tables, like covered the table. It's real cool shit. I learned that at Oliva headquarters. So, but yeah, Mike needs his glasses to take off a fucking band. Wow, <laughs> he is saying his fucking age. That, that you're gonna see that guy. Well, he said he was sixty. Well, you know, I mean, yeah. Oh, he, yeah. You hit forty two, forty three. Your eyes are gone. I just wear mine now. You know, I don't, I don't fucking have to take them on and off. They're fucking staying these are, on. These are Reebok's. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you still don't need anything else? Right now, no. Yeah. <laughs> you will. <laughs> but uh, so, it's my sad. So this is one of the reasons why I actually have fun saying if I ran the country. Oh, you know, Mike, you're... Because I'm just. Your bit is I believe in fucking an eye for an eye crazy. You fuck with me, we fuck with you. But that's it. Don't fuck with us, we won't fuck with you. We'll be all right. We do the right thing. Yeah, see, I'm 100% like him. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Listen, any other country... What's wrong with that? You know what I said to somebody? They go, Dude, here's, here's one for you, Mike. You know, I said to someone who was talking about, you know, North Korea and, and what are you thinking of light rockets? I, I said, I don't give a fuck what they do. You know what I'd tell fucking the little guy, the little rocket man? I'd call him up as the president. Little rocket man. Yeah, little rocket man. I'd call him up and say, yo, listen, rocket man, here's the deal. You fuck with any of our fucking allies if you fucking even fucking head that fucking missile towards America, I'm going to wipe your fucking country and you off the fucking map. I don't give a fuck. And I totally would be that way. And that fucking rocket man was going to say, test, test me, please fucking test me, motherfucker. Test me tonight. Because I'm fucking, my trigger finger's fucking clicking. And I, I, I just, I think if we ran the country instead of all this other shit, not how much money, Respect. What's going on in fucking Russia and, and, and Ukraine? I'm over that. I mean, I, I had people from uh, Ukrainian, I mean, very big people here on the show. And, they, and, and I get they, they say, what's the, I said, what's the difference between this and any other thing the United States in? 
he made great points. He says, listen, we're going to pay you back. Because I'm thinking, okay, the, the money. So far, we haven't spent no lives, no American lives, which is nice. But all, I said, what about all the fucking money? I think we're up to 29 fucking billion that we spent on this war. I mean, this, uh, not our war. They're not in NATO either. But I said, he goes, well, we're a very rich resource country. And I did find out a lot about that. He goes, and they will be paid back. And the United States will be paid back in resources and stuff. I said, I get it. You say that. I think that should be in writing, in a fucking contract. I mean that because we get fucked in every fucking war, cost American not only lives and money, and what, what do we get out of it? We went to Kuwait. We didn't take the oil back to fucking fund our wars and shit. We should have took every fucking oil until we fucking got all our money back and everything else when we wiped out fucking Kuwait because they, uh, you know, uh, Iraq went into Kuwait. Well, we protected Kuwait. Okay, I get it. Gas mile. People say, well, why do you go to war? Well, listen, if gas is going to be $8 a gallon, I want to go to war. Let's go. Fucking, that's my pocket. That's America's pocket, whatever it is. Now pay me back for it when we fucking wipe you off. Take the fucking oil wells until we're Mike. fucking done. Throw me a cutter. Uh, Dave, here. What I do so, with my boom. Cutter? Uh, the cutter? You need one, Mike? No, but I don't know what I do with it. No, he, he's got it. That's the this cutter. is what made me go into the... Yeah, tell, the, tell the, me... The, no, no, the no, Italian no. wise guy comedy routines about... Yeah, please. ...war and stuff like that. Because I, I wanted to put silliness into it. So when me and my friends were touring the country and we were doing stand-up, I said, during the day, why don't we make some videos about if we did run the country or if we got into the White House and what we would do. And we just made it really, really over the top. And I used the word silly so that nobody gets offended. Right. So the other day, you figure we were sitting down and we were talking. And the guy says, listen, I want, a, I want an all-out sit-down. I want to talk to Putin. I want to talk to the guy in North Korea. I want everybody. I want them, I want them here. <laughs> and there's a knock at the door, and it's a pizza guy. And I go, which one of you idiots ordered pizza? He goes, I'm a little hungry. I go, yeah, but now he knows where we are. <laughs> <laughs> we, he can never leave. He's got to stay here. He goes, stay and the guy goes, well, he's got to bring the pizza. I go, yeah, but now he knows we're here. <laughs> and the fat guy's going, why do you think I'm the one that ordered the pizza? I'm yeah. like, did you see the size of you? <laughs> I didn't know the skinny guy ordered the pizza. So when the guy comes in the room and he goes, yeah, I got two pizzas. And I go, how'd you know where we were? <laughs> and he goes, the phone guy. I go, tell me about this phone guy. He goes, well, his name is Glenn. Glenn? Glenn? How long you been working with Glenn? You see how stupid this becomes? Yeah, it goes, on, it, it goes on and on. Yeah, because then I said to him, I'll tell you what. You forget that you were ever here. Anthony, give him a couple bucks. He gives him $20. He goes, oh, man, I ain't never going to forget this place. <laughs> I, never, I never got a 20 for a delivery. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. He's shaking us down. Anthony, give him another 20 bucks. <laughs> so how could this not make you laugh? Uh, it, because it, it has nothing to do with anything, really. And then my, the guy who plays my underboss, I says to him, I go, you know, I don't really like the way you're handling yourself. And he goes, well, you told me that if you become president of the United States, there's a guarantee that I get my own room. And I go, I never guaranteed you your own room in the White House. I don't even know how many rooms are in there. And he goes, well, you're not married. So and I get like the guest room. I go, I don't even know if they have a guest room. The whole thing makes no sense. At all. And it's the best and thing in the world. how could you not laugh? I go like this to one guy. I go, I go you got to get an interview because you're going to be in charge of the interior. And he goes like, all right. I go, what, are, what kind of questions are they going to ask me? I go, probably what colors are you going to use? You know? <laughs> the interior. <laughs> See how dumb? 
This I got a, I got a scene in one of our episodes, and I'm like this. I'm on the phone. I'm going like, I, and the guy's behind me peeing in the weeds, and I'm going like this. I want so and so, and I want him dead. I want this guy, and I want him dead. I want this guy, and I want him dead. No, mom, I'm not hungry. Wait a minute, hold on, Marco, you hungry? Mommy wants to know. <laughs> you see what I'm doing? Oh God. Hey, a question. Do you have? Okay, you got, uh, of course, Marino 2024 T-shirt on. Uh, it's, if you're if listening to it, I got Mike in the studio here. And he's got a Marino 2024, so you can see it on uh, uh, YouTube in the next few days. And that's Marino 2024. But uh, are you, ran, you did it at Marino 2016, wasn't it? Yeah. And then 2020? Well, what happened was the pandemic kind of shut us down, yeah. so we stopped doing that. So now I changed. Fuck that pandemic. Screw them up, man. I'm ready to roll. I don't know how to back back in the game. I was making masks that said, make America Italian again. <laughs> <laughs> Novenas, yeah. So now the new tour is called uh, "Welcome to the Family," and I actually do my family members. I do my uncle, I do a girl, I do a, a stone guy, and I do the characters in the live show. So I, I'm hoping that we'll start filming "Make America Italian Again" as a movie. Yeah, I was just saying. Is, did you think ever putting that on YouTube as that? The 18 you know, episodes of "Make America Italian Again" are on my YouTube channel, which okay. is Mike Marino Live. Okay. And I also Mike, got, isn't it Mike Marino Live.net too? No, or, Mike Marino.net is my uh, web, website. Plug, Mike, plug it now. Oh yeah, no, all the time. And, and Mike here. Marino.net and all my social media is at Mike Marino Live. Okay, if anybody just Googles Mike Marino, they're gonna come up with things, I'm yeah, sure. It comes up. Yeah. The, the Italian president, when I first did the bid on the Byron Allen show, it got to uh, many millions, and then some guy, I don't know who it is. But he put it up on his Facebook, and uh, they got fifteen million. So you can get robbed what? in this bu- in this business. Well, yeah, uh, they I, listen. They take me- the cut. They put it on their shit, and it looks like it was their thing. And I got screwed. Let me tell you what happened to me here. You, you, it's almost like a compliment, though. I was getting robbed to Russia. Okay, <laughs> no, no, this is true. So they're getting fucking half a million views in fucking a week or two on some of my stuff, and I'm going, what the fuck. I did find out from YouTube, though. So we had a meeting, my guys, and all of a sudden it says, well, what, what can we do about it? We can do a lot of things about it. He goes, but do we want to? He goes, well, let's make it where they can't monetize. So they can't make a dime. Of course, we did that. And right away, YouTube shuts them down. Now, we get into negotiations with them. You want to put them back up? You can even get them, put them up. We'll do a split on monetization or, we'll you know, all the money-wise. And then fucking they got to go invade fucking Ukraine and fuck me up. Because uh-huh. Russia was taken off of YouTube platform. Right. I think they're back, to be honest. Uh, I got to look at that again. And we were, they were taken down. So I get a lot of that. I get a lot of crazies that'll do stuff about you and they'll open channels. But, the, of course, the, people know you're verified and all that stuff with, with you are. And with YouTube, you can, when you're at a certain level, I get an advisor and a YouTube advisor, and they tell you what you can do and knock them down, and do you want to? Because, you know, Mike, you said something when you came in here. You said, fucking these negative comments, keep them coming. I said, you damn fucking right. The comments are really cool, and there's there are some comments on some new bits that actually say, is this the guy who did the Italian president on the Byron Allen show? And that was what killed me about the guy who took my bit and put it on the internet. I was writing to him saying, hey, pal, can you just say my name? I mean, I'm, I'm flattered that you love the joke. Say who I am. 
mind you, when you hit millions like this and you're a performer, you're going to start selling out places because they're going to want to come and see you. And that's the way I got it in, in the game that way. But if they would just have said, hey, this is a comedian. His name is Mike Marino. This is how the bit started. Absolutely. You know? So he cut it so much that, see, YouTube, they call that likeliness. Like they, you can only do, like, if I, if I do a show or I do a, 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 a review, you can only show 30 seconds of a clip before they will non-monetize called copyrighted uh, material. And then you can't use it. You can use it to do a review for 20 seconds. You put it up and go, I look at this moron or whatever the fuck you're going to tell you in, in any kind of review. And I've learned that. So we're very cautious because we put stuff up making sure we're within YouTube's guidelines. Uh, otherwise, it's just, you know. You, you, you're not going to get paid. Yeah. I mean, th these are things that you, you, you learn over the years that, that cost me money, too. You know, like what has happened. But now, you okay, you got that going in 22, this coming up. You have the reconstruction. I talked about a little bit about uh, in in your bio. You talked about the family construction business. That is a fucking winner. What's going on with that? It should be when the, if you remember the storm that uh, hit New Jersey and New York, Sandy, Sandy. Uh, at that time, I was doing a lot of different uh, projects, of course, and I had to go home and take care of the family because my mother passed during the storm. Sorry to hear we that. We couldn't even really have a funeral. It was the most incredible oh. thing. She was in a. Um, a funeral home for, I think, eight days before they would allow us to bring her to be buried. And, you know, we did a whole ongoing gag. Mommy wasn't ready, so she said, screw you all. She caused the whole thing. But Caused the whole thing. You know, you couldn't you put got the lights laugh. on. You yeah. couldn't move the trees. You couldn't drive down the streets. Everybody's house was fucked. So I wrote this idea called Reconstructing Jersey about my life in the construction business. Uh, in the small town that I grew up in, Scotch Plains. And we got to use the town, the barbershop, the butcher shop, the people. I had it all. And we had some celebrities that were lending their name to the situation and a small amount of money to make the project. Then when uh, everything started to uh, loosen up a little bit, I had to go out on tour because, you know, touring is how I make most of my money. And you can't stop because, first of all, live performing, you probably feel this, it's the most incredible drug. I'm standing in front of a thousand people, 100%. holding on every single word, screaming, loving you, grabbing you, touching you, saying, please don't stop. You're not going to stop. And then you get tear it's an adrenaline. It's adrenaline. You get tear jerking letters like you got. Please, can you come to this guy's house? He's got cancer. Can you say hello to this guy? Can you send a picture to this person? And I do it all. I, I do it all. Good and for I, you. you know, I have my producer and I have my director and we all do as much as we can. And I try to stay in touch with everybody. But now I would hope to bring that project back to life because we didn't go out to the market. We didn't. Well, when sell did it. you start that, Mike? About four years ago. Okay, and is 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 there any uh, 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 trailers? Is there any There's uh, a trailer? You know. Okay, so you do have stuff. Uh, is there any? Uh, I have the whole pilot. I really like to redo. You have it a now. whole pilot. We shot the pilot. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Um, it's not breaking any kind of. Uh, Whatever, you know, it's it's the honeymooners. It's it's like watching the old school television. Nothing's offensive. Everybody's happy. There's kids in it. There's adults in it. There's old people. There's my mother. You know, if I was shooting this again and I had my way to do what I would do, I would call you and brother and brother up and say, why don't you guys play yourselves in the TV show? It will be <laughs> hilarious. So you could just say to me, where are you going today? I'm going on a Larry Lawton show. For what? Because well, he asked me to come over besides his mother's friends with mommy. 
You know, you just, it's so easy to write because when you write the truth, what happens to you in your life becomes funny for everybody because they go, oh my God, I'm just like that. That happened to us. You know, when I go to my hometown right now, nothing has changed in this town. This town is still the same. So I walked into a diner. I don't know how this guy makes ends meet. Nobody's ever in this diner. It looks like something out of the 1940s. I walk into the diner and he says to me, hey, Mike, what's it like to be famous? And I said, are you hiring? (laughs) How's that not funny? And that's the truth. You said the truth comes from, you know, I live with my mom. She's 90. Lucky every you, man. Lucky you. Day. I met your mother, man. That's I'm ready to go in there and have a sandwich. Listen, <laughs> every day, every day, I'm here at night, and I love to do videos at night. Things are quiet. The phones aren't ringing. I don't have to do anything. And I'll come, and I'll be here at 1130. Now, my mother goes to bed every night after the news, because it really matters. She has to see the weather. Although I tell her, Mom, you want the weather? The phone I got you there, you just hit that button and you get the weather right to the house. She don't care. She wants the weather from Orlando, <laughs> whatever it is. So every day at 11, 21, 22, she comes in. I'm going to bed. You're going to get the lights. I said, Ma, I got the lights. You want me to shut the front light off? Or... Ma, I got the light. It's uh, my friends now see it. They, they laugh. My assistant, he'll be here at night. He goes, and the trash on Monday and on Thursday, uh, the Wednesday is the, is the recycle. Did you get the trash? Mom, I'm back here four years. Have I ever missed the trash? Well, you might this time. Four years. It's hilarious. Isn't it funny? It's hilarious. Isn't it funny? And you bring it the way you bring it is just, it's, it's, the, it's, I don't know what it is. It's a Northern thing with our mothers. I don't know what it is. You That's know? the way I come up with stand up routines. I could tell you this. If my mother was alive today and she said to me, did you get the lights? I'd say, no, ma, could you do it? <laughs> because they want that. No, she does too. Michael, are you hungry? Yes, I am. Mom, could you cook me something? Because they want that. Yeah. That's how I came up with the idea of the show, uh, the the joke, The Last Supper. Oh, I was just thinking, when you said that with food. The Last Supper. Un, Jesus Christ, get there, turn your hands up. I mean, the way, I just want, again, I was online last night, Mike, and I just, really, you made my day. You made my night. One of my favorite jokes. Sometimes I never pat myself on the back. You deserve to. You deserve your creative mind that is very, very rare. That you're this, you don't have writers, you don't have people, you do it. And you then hone it with people and friends and whatever. You're amazing. And I really mean that in, in a good in a good way. You're fucked up in other ways. But I, you're I'm good. very <laughs> fucked up. But I uh my mother used to say all the time, she goes, you know, when I'm gone, nobody's gonna cook like your mother. And she was right. You who do you think is gonna do this? There's nobody in our family that's gonna do what your mother does. Well, then, Mom, why don't you stop? Don't do it. No, no, no. Don't worry about it. I got it. So she would say, I'm not going to cook for the holidays. No more. That's it. Nobody appreciates me. They don't appreciate me. Take a picture. Make sure everybody remembers who did this because I ain't doing it no more. She and that's never when stop. Why, why, she's Dave, never going to stop. And that's when I extended the joke. And I said, that's why there was the Last Supper, because somebody's mother said, I've had it, Jesus. This is it. Paint a picture of it. Call your friend. This is the Last Supper. No more. Oh, you do that. He does the whole joke. You got to hear it, guys. Yeah. With Leonardo DiCaprio. Call Leo. Call Leonardo Jesus, get over here, you know. And you, Jesus Christ, get over here. 
you put your hair in a Tony tail and you do the whole work. I think one of the funniest things is when I actually say, my mother would have walked around going like this, excuse me, Jesus, come here, I want to talk to you about something. First of all, you are not the leader. I am the leader. You live in my house. I am the leader of my house. Put your hair in a ponytail, put your slippers on. I don't like when you're dressed like this. This is very disrespectful. And he goes on, he goes, and the friends you hang out and with? your friends. <laughs> these guys you call apostles? No, no, no. They don't appreciate your mother. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Where's the, where's the bread and wine for your mother? They never come over with it. They, they didn't bring, they don't bring anything. They don't appreciate what he does this skit, you guys. Everybody out there, you gotta go online. You'll see YouTube. Please. You'll see anyway. All you gotta do is Google Mike Marino and Just you'll go see, see him if he comes in your area. Go see him. Oh, too. absolutely. Mike, is there a way? I mean, okay, here it's going up today. You know, obviously we're live here uh in the studio. What when are your next dates and where? And give us the next month or so. I'm doing a lot of shows here in Florida. My next Florida date is like this the weather, is, huh? I do love the weather. Fucking... I love being out here. Yeah. A couple more Florida shows, and then I'm going to go back out on tour to uh, New York. Where, where, where are you going? Hold on, Mike. In, in the month of uh, end of February here, where are you going to be? Uh, Snappers Comedy Club in Fort Myers. That's February 23, 24, 25. Then Snappers Comedy Club in Palm Harbor. That's March 3, 4, 5. And I'm going to stop that because they need you. You know, they just went through a major, major destroying oh, of yeah. the fucking area. Yeah. I had a I had a vacation spot there. Oh. And wiped out. Wiped off the cost me a lot of money and time to get it. And we lost it. My brother and I'd go there um, in downtown Fort, Fort Myers. Myers yeah. yeah. Wiped off the earth. Right on the ocean. Right on the ocean, man. Mike, when I tell you it it, it uh fuck it. You know, you lose the money. Forget the money. It's just I'm not, I know I'm never going to have to go back there to do that thing. And I used to go there four times a year. That was my getaway. My brother and I would go there. We'd it, it party. I mean, I got to know the people. It was such a great place. And uh, I, I hope you do a great show for them. And I know you will for Fort Myers. Anybody in Fort Myers. And I know Nick, who listens to us right there in Palm, Palm Harbor. Got to go see Mike Marino. I'm telling you, Nick, take the wife. And you take Liz and go there. I'm telling you, he will blow you away. He's in Palm, uh, I think Palm, uh, right there. About 20 miles outside, 30 miles outside okay. Palm Myers. Uh, they need it. They need, I had him on. I had this kid. He's good. I'm telling you, he's a great kid. He came here and helped me out in a lot of ways. Came to the studio from Fort Myers, that area. And his story is amazing. Him and his wife and their dog were huddled in their closet. And she says, oh. they thought they were going to die. This is a real story. Oh. And they were hearing the roof go off the building and back. And they they are going through a hell now with FEMA and all the bullshit that happens. But, Trying to get insurance. Money. Yeah. They, they, well, yeah, they don't get everything. And what has happened, Mike, is uh, uh, his story, man, blew me away. Made me, made, I, I got a heart. And to hear the guys how you're feeling in that fucking time that you're going to, these people need Mike Marino. And I'm telling you, so think about when you're going there. They're, they're gone through a lot. And, and this kid had the greatest attitude. You know what he said to me right on in that chair? I, yeah, that chair. He was in that chair. And he said to me, he goes, I go, you got such a great attitude. Uh, his name's Nick. I said, Nick, you got such a great attitude. And he actually went, I, I had a cruise. That's how I met him. I had a cruise, a company cruise. I gave a free cruise away on the show. I gave a free cruise for two, flew him in, limo ride, the whole works for somebody who win. You know, you, you got a free raffle ticket and all that. And then, and if you bought a box of cigars, you got 10 tickets. 
So we ended up having a wrap, and we went on a, a cruise, a weekend cruise with Larry Lawton and my whole crew. Oh, and wow. it was really fun. And this kid came on the cruise. He, he didn't even know enough to contact us because we had got everybody together. So he saw my brother and I sitting on a couch on the cruise somewhere, and he was, like, intimidated to come up. He came up. He goes, yeah, you're Larry, you know, Larry Lawton. And I said, yeah, yeah. He goes, well, I listened to your show. I didn't want to interrupt. I said, get fan. over here. I'm a fan. He goes, I'm a fan. I came to the cruise. You announced the cruise. I said, sit down over here. And we connected very well. And I heard the stories. And I said, you know, Nick, he was such a good guy. He's a big guy. I said, you're my new bodyguard on this cruise. So he was. He was a great guy. 29, 28, or whatever he is. Him and his, his uh, fiance they had to put off their wedding and everything. And uh, when I tell you coming here, and he's such a, he had an attitude, Mike, of his attitude was amazing. Like, you know, hey, nobody got hurt. Nobody thought we were going to die. My wife, my, uh, Liz said to him, they, they're both there. Liz says, what are we going to do? And he actually had to tell us, I don't know. And they huddled and literally were praying in this room. And they had their dog and them in a closet in the middle of the house. And they ended up, of course, surviving. And so they need it. And those are the dates. What are those dates for those two areas? Uh, February 23 through 25. In Fort Myers. Snappers in Fort Myers. Then he has a sister club. Third, in, fourth, and fifth March. Yes. Uh, where and Snappers again? Palm Harbor. Snappers. Snappers, Snappers and Palm club. Harbor. And then when do you go to Jersey? Well, wait, 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 wait. We're going to go, go in a little bit more to the schedule. What's what's after that? Um, March 11 and 12. Laughs Unlimited Comedy Club in Sacramento, California. I'll probably do a couple appearances at the Laugh Factory in Hollywood. Then on March 23, I'll be at the Comic Strip in New York City. Mm. March 24, I'll be in a 2,000-seat theater called the Carteret Performing Arts Center in Carteret, New Jersey. And then on March 26, I'm going to the uh, Punchline in Philadelphia. Wow, you were a child because I was, you know what I was listening for when I'm going to be in Connecticut. But I'm, I'm the 22nd Second, to the, I to the 25th. And we're in Connecticut. We're, you know, where they film all those shows and stuff like that. that they do a lot of filming in Connecticut now because obviously taxes, a lot of shows move there. Hey, you uh, need an opening act, I'll open for you. Yeah, <laughs> not mine. It's not my show. They're, they're <laughs> flying me there. The, uh, and then after March, so now you just walk through March, where, where, where are you next? Uh, I know April 1, I do have a concert to do here in Florida. Again, I'm not exactly sure. And then on April 15th, I'll be at the Boca Black Box in Boca Raton. Okay, I so then you're back. Okay, we, we just moved you through April. If anybody needs Mike Marino, if you go to MikeMarino.net, yeah. That's MikeMarino.net. Mike you can uh, find his dates and it's his website. And Mike Marino Live. On all social media. On all social media. Which is my media. YouTube channel. You know, it's funny. I keep on playing with your doll. I know. I, I, Mike, I'm getting a little nervous there. I'm, do, I'm doing <laughs> You know, a, if you start putting pins in it, I know I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm doing a, a, a series now called The Adventures of G.I. Giovanni. Oh, and I'm I, playing I, with my G.I. Joe dolls. Another yeah. great skit i heard i think that was in in, in boca too gee you, you had me cracking up with the jane with the with the little oh the bobby called gi jane or whatever Bobby doll oh had me crack but everybody you gotta see mike marino mike i gotta thank you for coming on oh, the show of course man. i mean thank you i think i think you opened the eyes of a lot of people of one of your heart uh what the industry's like how hard it is 
in this industry. Dave, did you have any questions for Mike? Or no, I mean, very, very, uh, no questions. No questions. There you go. And, no and questions. You Mike, don't know nothing. Anything to say to our audience before you? Before no, you I were. wanted to share something with you guys, if I can. In Absolutely. A couple of seconds. And uh, take as long is, as you this want. Is, this <laughs> is this is the joy of what comes. In, if when you're entertaining and it sidesteps all the crap that we go through some lady calls me or she sent me an email and she said how much do you charge to perform at a wedding and i says i really don't do weddings but um when where and how that's how i come up with the price and she goes well i'm gonna have a brunch and i see you're playing at a place in new jersey that's near where the brunch is gonna be so maybe you could come and do the brunch and then go to your show that night and i says who has a wedding brunch? <laughs> can I speak to you about this? So I can come up with a price. So I get the lady on the phone and she goes, I kind of have to get married in a little bit of a rush. My fiance has stage four brain cancer and I need to get him on my insurance policy and things don't look so good. And he's a huge fan of yours and you're on his bucket list. I'm like, did it for a year. Uh, are, you, <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah, is it, is this it? is on his bucket list. And she goes, Yeah, I don't even want him to know you're coming. So, how much? And I go, A brunch? A brunch. She goes, Yeah. And I go, Here's what you're going to get for free I'm bringing you a cake. I'm bringing you a caterer. I'm bringing you an opening act. And I'm bringing you a singer. Do you have a DJ? And she goes, You're kidding. I go, Are you kidding? This is. His wish. Look at I got the chills. To, to meet, I, I got chills. To meet me. And she goes, yeah. So we showed up. And a friend of mine is a cake lady. She makes these incredible expensive cakes. She donated an $800 cake. She came. She she even asked me questions. What's their color scheme? I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know what the hell that is. I've never been married. <laughs> so we show up. And here these people are at 1130 in the afternoon having um, eggs and bacon and they're throwing a brunch and it was classy. It was cool. It was about maybe 60 people. And I had the cake there and the opening act goes in and he introduces me and there wasn't a dry eye in this room. And I'm trying to do jokes. And I says to the guy, I go, listen, I don't know what you did or what you used to do. And I don't know what you got going on, but I'm going to tell you right now, you need to be around for at least 50 years. And I'm blowing some good joy into your life, and you're going to do it. You know what he does? He's a corrections officer at a jail. No! Oh, but hey, listen, it doesn't make him bad. I, I, I say that. 30 years old. Oh, he told wow. me in confidence the doctor gave him four to five years. So we did it. We put it in the news, and then we gave everybody free tickets to the comedy show that night. Wow. Wow. Isn't that amazing? I now, mean, they write to me all the time. We're friends. He's doing a lot better. He said he's feeling great. But the thing is, could you imagine somebody's wish is just to meet me? Isn't that incredible? Amazing. I, I, you know, I, it's, it, it, it does. You know, a lot of things like that happen. And when, when they happen to me, it's like I give so much away. I mean, like uh, my programs and everything else I do and everything. It, you it, got a it, good you know, heart too, Le. Like, yeah. like you got a real good heart. Uh, you know, and and you know why? Because I consider that karma. You know, I think I got good karma, and I, I I think that's something that you know. And the older I get, and I was a brutal guy, you know, in the beginning, 
and my life. And but you know, people change. That's why I want people say they don't change. It's bullshit. Oh, you know, change. people. You know, I tell people this is what I tell people, Mike. And we before and getting out, I love. I have to tell this. I tell people this. I said, when you're 20, you think you know it all. Mike, I see my brother. I'll give you a quick story. Seen, I've seen my brother go right up the block here to Win Dixie with my mother one, a couple of years oh. ago when my mother was able to walk and go shopping, and he used to sit in in, in the front of not in the, inside the store, read the newspaper right on a bench by the cash registers, and my mother's shopping through the store, and he for some reason just looks up. And he sees this old lady in there that uh, the cash register, you know, comes up with the bill and the lady didn't have enough money for the for her groceries. And uh, she starts saying, well, I, I'll, I'll put this back. I'll put this back. My brother gets up and says, no, no, pays the whole bill for it. But, uh, you know, they, it wasn't, heart, you know, you know I mean? it, 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 it was that, but it was a kid. It was a guy and he was 30 and he had a he had like a 12 pack of beer, too. And it was a Friday because my mother always went shopping on a Friday. Always. So well, hairdressers, cigarettes, and yeah, yeah, and shopping. Yeah, I, that was her routine, you know. And I would take her on a routine. Now, Dave, you know, we take her everywhere. Of course, she can't shop anymore, right? So she's in a walker. And uh, so the guy, the, and at thirty years old, I will never ever make anybody feel bad. So I got up, and this young guy, thirty years old, and couldn't afford stuff. So I did this multiple times, Mike. I like that's what my thing was, and it was nothing big. I mean, I, I say it now because I'm not there anymore doing it, and. And I walked up and I said, no, put it. And I didn't want to make him feel, but I said, hey, I just hit something. I, I, got, I had a big score. I said, just put it all back there and pay for the whole bill. And, and he thought I was to pay the items. And, and the guy was 30, construction worker, you could see, or whatever he was. And the guy was almost crying. The lady cash register on this one was almost crying. And she, she, she knows me. And this one, the way, and the kid goes, I go, listen, I, I just hit a score. Don't worry about it. Go. You know, it's not like someone would say, oh, tell him to put the beer back and eat the Fuck you. Let the guy have a fucking 12-pack. I don't give a fuck what he does. And, you know, I gave him, and if the bill was 60, 80 bucks, whatever the fuck it was. And and I and and I just, I, I like to do things like that in my own way. Not film it, not do the shit. And, and you know. kindness of your heart. Yeah, and, and you got that. You got the same thing. That story you just did is the same exact and I love that about you. I mean, I knew that, right, again, we met at a charity event. So, I mean, that 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 says a lot in my mind. But I, I think we can go on and on. And I just want everybody to know you got to go see Mike Marino. You got to see him. Please do. And, and I'm not just saying it just because he's a, a friend or he's on the show. He is fucking hilarious. All you got to do, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. I fucking crack up. And he comes up with new material. That's why I don't mind going to see him again. We'll go down in April, Dave. We'll yeah, see we'll, what my we'll schedule go, is. We'll, we'll, we'll go. We'll bring a whole crew down there, and and we'll go down there. We'll take a fucking bus if we have to, or a limo, whatever. We'll have a fun time, man. Because he comes up with fucking. I'm telling you, the Walmart shit, the fucking the new shit, the Gia Joe, and he's so it's so funny. He starts fucking cracking up. It makes me fucking stop it. I'm fucking wanting to piss my fucking pants when I go down. Mike, you laughing at your own jokes? <laughs> oh yeah, they're funny. I mean, they're, I'm fucking sitting there. You know, sometimes I just can't. I, I go into my head. I'm like. I wrote that. That is hilarious. That is fucking hilarious. That is so yeah. stupid. You know, I'm I telling you, only two comedians, three get, comedians. Mike, you ever get other comedians copying you or stealing of your? Of course. That, does it happen a lot? Oh, yeah. well, it doesn't happen too much. It shouldn't God, do that. But some comedian. some people do, and they'll take a signature joke and they'll end up getting slammed on the internet. But 
you know, and nowadays somebody could take your joke and go viral and they ended up getting a big hit. And then it's, that's just, that's stealing actually. It is still, it is still, and that's very, very against the system. You know, Dave it's funny because the, uh, only three comedians, three comedians in my life that I saw live have made me belly laugh. And I mean, fucking belly when you're hurt in the stomach, Mike, you're one of them. Uh, George Collin made me fucking belly. And Jerry Seinfeld had me fucking hurting. So it was the, whatever it was, that bit, I, I don't remember most of them. Yours, I remember more. Not only did I watch you, I still remember. That's why I went on. I said, and, and, and I did him again. And it's like, oh, fuck that. Fuck. You didn't even explain some of your jokes today the whole way. I mean, you know, the Bin Laden. Kick open the rock, you know. Kicks open the cave, and he walks. You know, he does. He does the whole sit bit. Down on the rock. He sit that the way he does it. He picks his foot up, kicks it, and you know, on the. You got to go on YouTube, everybody. You just go on YouTube, and Live. then and then I'm telling you, you could see whatever you see up there. I don't know what he's gonna do. Just go see him live because. I like the live because you. I don't know how you guys do it. And I'm gonna say it again. Comedians are an amazing, amazing talent, and you know, I think when, they really are. When we're performing live, you can make up material in front of the audience if you're having a good time. You're in the zone, and everybody's laughing. So just like a couple of nights ago, we had 800 people in this theater just laughing and screaming. So when I started to do my GI Giovanni routine, <laughs> I extended it to more family members. <laughs> and I was making it up as I was going along. So then when I say something, I can't believe it came out of my mouth. So I start laughing because I'm like, I can't believe I just said that. That is hilarious. So this whole thing about he's out on a date with Barbie doll and he took her to a hot restaurant called the Easy Bake Oven, but the cupcake <laughs> got cold because the light blew out. People were like, this fucking idiot. And you coming out of your head? <laughs> That is fucking on stage in front of 800 people. Yeah, just, uh, I know. Amazing. And, but, 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 but I was doing a, I just think this is funny because if you remember G.I. Joe, when he came out in the 60s, he had a pull string and he would say things about being in the army. You know, Super Joe Commander, yeah. watch out for the grenade and you would pull it. So now I'm going, he was Italian. So when he pulled his string, he told you to go fuck yourself. I, <laughs> I, I, I couldn't stop laughing. And then some guy yells out, what else did it say? Well, he goes, he wants two slices in a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Typical New York, right? So Mike, these things make me laugh. I gotta go. All right, we are gonna go. But Mike, I could sit here and talk to you for hours. I, I really could. Uh, hours. We're already two hours in. <laughs> two hours. I love it because it goes so quick. It really does. Mike, I want to thank you thank again. You. Uh, really appreciate it. everybody. Make sure you go see Mike Marino live. Hey, everybody. Okay. All right. Look at that. I fuck up. Nice fuck. This is the real deal. Always is. And this is why I'm going to end this show with Mike and my uh, my ending, my opening. I call it my opening. Don't touch anything. It's the greatest find yet. Nothing compares to it. But it's definitely something you should hear. This is the real deal with Larry Lawton.